the blast from our past network. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human, something always watching, something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide if you were haunted for seven winters alone? Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone, a dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, My Bloody Valentine, starring Paul Kelman, Laurie Hallier, and Neil Affleck. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Crystal-produced episode of Podcasting After Dark. I am one half of the pad team, Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. Joined with me, as always, is my brother-in-arms, my brother from another mother, Zach the Total Snackage Schaefer. What's up, buddy? Well, everyone's listening, so they don't see us on video, but I'm wearing an ascot around my neck, or maybe (laughs) it's just a bandana, and my shirt is uh, about three-quarters of the way open, Sprouting some uh, chest hair in honor of TJ from uh, our movie that we're going to be breaking down uh, this evening. <laughs> Dude, yeah, man, TJ was looking good with that uh, that ascot. Or, uh, yeah, I think it was just a bandana around his neck, but I, I think we may have to, to bring it back. But uh, in case you have not read the title of this episode, Zach and I are going to be tackling My Bloody Valentine, the original 1981 and... We are going to be discussing and breaking down the uncut version, not the theatrical run. And as I said, this is a, a Crystal-produced episode. That means she picked it through Patreon. This is uh, She also picked Monster Squad for us, and she picked uh, Intruder. And now she is picking My Bloody Valentine, which is perfect because, hey, everybody, this is dropping on Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Zach, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Day. <laughs> Hope you're doing <laughs> something Valentine's nice for Femme Day. French. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, watching this movie after so many years was a real treat. Um, And Crystal, nice job. I know you would never do this, and I'm so thankful that you did not choose the remake. Uh, I did see the remake in the theater, believe it or not, in 2009, I think it came out. Yes, Um, I I did too as well. Didn't hate it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Didn't, yeah, didn't hate it. I was kind of surprised that they would remake what I would consider a very cult horror film, uh, you know, like for a mainstream audience, right? Uh, this this movie terrified me as a kid. This movie still on levels creeps the hell out of me uh, because I even was going to watch it one evening, but I decided not to watch it that <laughs> night because I knew it was going to creep me out. And I'm like, no, this is going to give me some bad visions in my mind. So I watched it during the day, and thank God I did. Because, yeah, it still holds up on its level of uh, scares. Yeah. 
and kills, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you grew up watching this one, right? This was this uh, heavily in your rotation, or uh, just you know? But you you do have familiarity with it. I'm pretty certain that this one gave me night terrors. Uh, <laughs> my brother would rent this one, and just the mask, the the box alone scared the crap out of me. Uh, my God, it's just yeah, the 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 idea of a madman walking around with uh, a creepy mask on like that just terrified me as a kid the and so i i might have watched it a one or two times probably forced to watch it thanks to my brother eric thank you eric once again for well i wouldn't be on this show probably if it wasn't for my brother eric exactly. so there you go <laughs> you there take you the go. good but, with uh, the crystal, bad you take the good with the bad and the facts of life <laughs> were never really explained to me and that also is why you're doing the show (laughs) yeah i think you're right um yeah man like i'm excited i'm I'm happy that this is dropping on valentine's day happy valentine's day to everybody again um and hope you're doing something hope you're not being succumbed by the uh the The vid (laughs) hopefully you're not getting succumbed by the the uh the, the stupid restaurant prices that come up wow. you know where they they charge you like every restaurant especially in los angeles guys first of all there's two holidays you don't go anywhere in la valentine's day and st patrick's oh, day yes I, I was gonna say new year's too because that's a danger oh, new year's uh, too. dangerous yeah. on the road on new year's in la uh, okay i'll I'll, pre- I'll uh i'll edit what i what i just said uh there's two there's only one holiday that you could probably go out on Besides Christmas in L.A., and that's probably Thanksgiving. Well, maybe not Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just Christmas in L.A. is the only time to be going out when it's... Bottom line is, it sucks in L.A. on Valentine's Day, <laughs> and it's overrated. Um, and I think, you know, hey, you should you should show the person you're in love with every day of the year that's right. that you love them, not just on Valentine's Day. That's right. And not just a couple days before Corey's birthday. <laughs> Because Corey's birthday is actually dropping soon, too, yeah, isn't it, Corey? That's right. My big 4-4 is uh, dropping the day after Valentine's Day. So, sadly, much to uh, you know, my wife and everyone that I've ever dated chagrin, Valentine's Day at midnight, the stroke of midnight on the 15th, Valentine's Day is over. It is now Corey's day for the next 24 hours. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's way better than Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is overrated. <laughs> I, and, um, and and watch this movie instead of yeah. blowing $75 a piece on dinner for the person you love. Make him a dinner. Make him breakfast for dinner. How about that? Yeah. Actually, Pigs in a blanket. That's actually a great advice, man. That's uh, make, make him a dinner. That's actually even better, uh, better advice than going out. So, And that shows more love, love and care. That's how I roll. That is how, how you I roll. roll. I, I cook every night. That's so I know you, you do. I know you do. Um, but, yeah, I'm more about celebrating Corey's birthday the day after. Well, I wish we were celebrating it together, my friend. I, I would love to be down there hanging out with you guys, you and Diallo and Femme French and Bodie and Dustin and everybody. It's, it's you know, I, I don't miss Los Angeles, the, the, the city, but I do immensely miss all of my friends down there. And I know that I'll always have a connection to Los Angeles because of you guys and everything, which is also another reason we didn't want to kind of move to the East Coast, you know. I just know that I'm always going to be connected to Los Angeles. So, And thank God you did, period. 
And thank God Crystal chose this movie, yes. by the way. Thank you, Crystal, for choosing this movie. I know I know where I, I know I already said it, but you got a little bit of a emotional mushy mush with Corey and I, so there you go. <laughs> Here's a little beep beep. Yeah, th- this was this was fun to to trip down memory lane with a movie that I hadn't seen in decades. Yeah, um, that's kind of the same thing with me. Uh, I kind of had the same experience uh, with it as a kid as you did. I think I only watched it a couple times, but it it scared me, and especially the cover scared me, and I just was like, oh, I don't want to rewatch this one. But I also wonder if I would have maybe been more like gravitated more to it because you and I both watched the massively massively edited and cut theatrical film which we were still clearly scared of as a kid but I think when when I got older I remembered it not having as you know as much gore in it as it's supposed to so I kind of didn't revisit it in my in my later teen years but now watching the the unedited version i freaking love this movie i think it's it's so much it has so much personality uh that i love and the kills are fantastic it's just god it's so sad when they when you hear about the mpaa neutering films like this that have such great kills in it um but like you as well i saw the uh the the remake the 3d remake i saw it in 3d and i actually enjoyed it i mean i only only saw it once i never really went back to it but i at the time i was like you know i walked out of the theater saying i like that movie never saw it again though so that may tell you something (laughs) yeah uh i I mean it just it falls in the same line as all the other remakes of so many of these movies the the only remake that comes to my mind uh in in recent years that i still to this day think is a good one uh well two is the crazies and uh, Dawn of the Dead? Yeah. So uh, the other remakes blow pretty much, in my opinion, or or they're just forgettable. Yeah. You know, and and unfortunately, I think we're in an era where once again we're just things just don't have the same energy that they had back then. Um, the same uniqueness. This film is new. This film is unique. It's not just the fact that it was. Uh, it's a Canadian production. But it, it has a has an energy to it that's different than other movies of its time and a level of creepiness and gore that, um, like I said, I'm, I'm surprised that it got a remake in, you know, 2009 um, because it's 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 intense. And um, I never saw the unrated version. And so this was my first time going into it. Yeah, I know it's like about too. three more. Yeah about three minutes longer yeah which if you really think about it is a lot of time um and my understanding the 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 sylvia kill in the showers is like the bulk the biggest um addition to it uh but i also think that the um uh, him putting the pitchfork through hap's face and like it popping out of its eye i think that's also um was was cut as well and some other things but what the since we're discussing it, the only thing that the that this version doesn't have that he you know wishes would be put back into it, and maybe they can't even find this piece anymore. But it was the um, the Mike and Harriet kill with the giant screw through them because in the movie Hollis just finds their bodies um, with the, the giant screw through them, and in there they did film a scene of him like actually. Sp- jamming that through them and like stabbing them and impaling them. But honestly, if that's all we're missing and then the director says we're missing like some like exposition stuff, nothing major. Like that's really the most major kill moment that we're missing. I think it's 
damn awesome the way it is, the way the unrated version is, and I don't feel like we're missing anything by not having, not seeing that that screw kill. Yeah, we're not. We're not at all. Um, I, I was thinking, too, that as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, I think this is the most kills I've ever seen in a slasher movie, ever. It's a lot. It's It's got a like high body count. I think it's a uh, you know if if you count the the scenes in the in the mind when the, the workers die if you count that as deaths as well yeah um, yeah then it, then it's in like I think it's like sixteen or something like that um, but I tracked it at like I think eleven or twelve uh, you know major kills in this movie so that's huge yeah you know oftentimes in like a Friday the Thirteenth uh, you don't you see maybe seven, I don't know, six, yeah. seven at the most. Yeah. 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 And not as Which gory is, as this. Get, and, and a lot of times no. the characters aren't as, as fun as this. And that's, you know, one thing kind of going back and historically looking at slasher films from the eighties, you know, obviously I love Jason Voorhees and, 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 you know, Friday 13th part six and seven and eight and all those, but yeah, you same. know, but those are in the later part of the eighties and you look and you watch those movies. And at that point it's all of this is cliche and the characters are so just cardboard cutouts. But then you go back and you watch this from 1981 and you realize that like they were still inventing the slasher genre at the moment and they were still yeah. putting a strong emphasis on care on likable characters so when they actually die you're like oh crap i didn't want that person to die and you actually felt that and i just i don't know i'm, I'm really starting to i think gravitate towards early 80s slasher films as opposed to late 80s slasher films the older i get because i like that attention to character detail me too you know friday the 13th came out in 1980 uh madman came out soon after um you know i think about the like those two specific movies uh and and then this one came out in what 82 right this is 81 uh, sorry this one came out in 81 so yeah super early uh, you know still kind of having that hanger on of the seventies, yeah, which is yeah. when Gore really started to pick up. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, they probably wrote this story back in the late seventies potentially. So yeah, it has a uniqueness to being set in the mine, uh, being set in the North Northern continent of Canada, you yeah. know, and I think and, it's uh, uh, Nova Scotia is where it was filmed. Nova Scotia. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it sets apart from so many other films that get lumped into the slasher genre. Um, and God bless it. Thank God it does, because here we are 40 plus years, 41 years later and <laughs> talking about it. Uh, we just missed its 40th anniversary. So there you go. <laughs> I know. And I got to say, you know, uh, David and so many people commented on our post here. And this is some people's favorite slasher movie. This is some people's like top three, top five favorite slasher movies. But this is in a lot of people's favorite categories. And, you know, I can see why now, truly. And I'll, yeah. I'll elaborate more as we go through uh, things that I like about this film or things that I didn't connect with when I was younger, uh, specifically 
TJ's character. My God, if I had watched, I mean, I did. I watched this movie before I went to L.A. and everything. Watching this movie after L.A. and after my my meteoric fall from from Grace in L.A. Like, I can't tell you how much I relate to TJ so much in this uh, in this movie. And I was like, wow, that's that's awesome. And as I get older, I I do tell people like, you know, if you didn't like a movie when you were a kid, try rewatching it when you're an adult, because you may see things through different lenses that you didn't catch when you were younger, you know? Oh, yeah, I'd say a good chunk of pad movies I'm rewatching now. You you see with a different lens Mm -hmm. and it's nostalgic. It's reflective. You know, you think about your past. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that, that's what makes it more impactful when you're a kid. You've got nothing else to draw upon. Yeah. So you're just like, is this good? Is this scary? Oh, my God. Is it going to scare me? Uh, and it's fine. You know, we have all been down that road. So if you haven't seen this movie in a long time, go check it out. I know uh, Corey, uh, thanks to Crystal, really, Corey got, and thanks to Corey, of course, uh, got me the Blu-ray, Shout Factory Blu-ray. And it's beautiful. Uh, and the case is beautiful. Yeah, the steel and case. Everything one. about it's beautiful. It is. I didn't open it up with Bodie because I knew it was going to be creepy as hell. <laughs> um, and one of these days, one of these days, he's going to do an unboxing with me. And he came close with From Beyond, and he was just like, "Oh, this is." What is this? This is whoa, this is rough. <laughs> I know, and I know his pain. That's how I felt when I saw From Beyond's cover in in the in the VHS store when I was like, you know, Bodie's age. At the same time, I was like, yep. oh, what is this? Oh, this looks horrible. Yep. And quick shout out to to uh, VideoForce.ca. Uh, they they created a really cool From Beyond slip cover that I will be sharing with Corey very soon. Uh, speaking of From Beyond. But I really quickly also lastly want to uh, reiterate, thanks to Crystal, uh, we're doing this breakdown because, or Corey is specifically, he's the one that broke it down and I just sit here for the shits and giggles. <laughs> but um, but Crystal, you know, she's the highest, she's at the highest tier of our Patreon. So uh, if you are able to and open to and want to be a part of the show in a deeper way you can sign up to the highest patreon level and you can pick one of our movies to break down and you guys love us we know and we love you too so just know that um you know whatever you choose is going to get the 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 pad uh seal of approval or disapproval depending on if you <clears throat> choose intruder um but it'll but always crystal get... it's all love beep beep but it'll always get the full pad treatment, no matter what. Always, it is. yeah, and always, and you, you guys know it's going to get our yeah signature style. <laughs> so consider it. Consider it's worth it. It's worth it if 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 you can justify spending you know that much a month. Awesome. Uh, if you even join at our lowest tier, awesome. Yeah. If you're a patron already and you're listening to this, you know you're awesome. We love you. If you've, uh, you know, subscribed to us, followed us, written a, written a review for us, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you've done none of those things, if you're one of those people that's done none of those things and you just listen to us, thanks for listening. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, a little, 
little something something on the back end would be great. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. Yeah, I'm I want to reiterate everything you just said. Uh thank you so much, Crystal. Thank you for believing in us for so long. Thank you for supporting us for so many months. It it doesn't go unnoticed. You know that. We we love you to death and you know, you're you're part of our family and we really appreciate you all the time. And uh, thank you to every single one of our patron members. Thank you to Aaron who just who did also just join at the highest tier and we will and we will be reviewing one of her movies in a few months. So, we have uh, we have a few producers already and uh, we appreciate all of y'all and we appreciate everyone at every single tier and we're also hoping you guys are liking the Carpenter Factor show that we're doing. Next episode will be Assault on Precinct 13. I cannot wait to watch that and discuss it with with you, Zach. But, but before we do, let's jump into the cast and crew of My Bloody Valentine. My Bloody Valentine. Yes. Um, well, first and foremost, playing TJ is Paul Kelman. He just passed away like last week, unfortunately. Yeah. Like like literally uh, like five days ago. This. Yeah. By the time we're recording yeah, this, he, he, he passed away at the end of um, uh, January. Yeah, such a bummer. Um, not only does he look like uh, Robbie Robertson, not from Out of the Blank podcast, by the way, <laughs> not that Robbie Robertson, if, if, if any of you listen to that podcast. Um, the blues guitarist, singer from the band, uh, his solo projects, et cetera, et cetera. The dude is a spinning image of Robbie Robertson. Um, Paul Kelman, he's a Canadian actor, and he was in... Uh, a movie called Black Roses. Black Roses. I know that cover so well. I think I think most purists of horror know that cover as being one of the best box art covers ever because it's perforated. Yeah, it uh, stuck out, right? It was plastic. Like, it was it, yeah. It it kind of um, it's got all kinds of shapes on the cover, and they actually made those shapes kind of stick out in plastic and everything. It's not just a cardboard cover. Yeah, probably the best part of that movie, just saying, <laughs> is the box art, which is fine. You know, most full moon movies can, uh, fall into that category, uh, at least any, everything post, like, arcade. Yeah. Um, yeah, Paul Kelman plays TJ. Laurie Hallier plays Sarah, uh, or Hallier, um, and I probably got her name wrong anyways, but she was on uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, she was on the Strange Days TV show, uh, <laughs> Civil Wars. Uh, yeah, that's about it. She's she's done a lot. It looks like she's done a lot of TV stuff. Yeah, yeah. she's done a lot of TV stuff. Yeah, and and you know what? She's she's great and very attractive. Oh yes, oh yes. <clears throat> um, <laughs> Neil Affleck, no relation to Ben, is better than Ben. <laughs> He doesn't have a giant phoenix tattoo on his back, and he's living a midlife crisis. Um, he was, just kidding, sort of. He was in Scanners. I don't remember him in Scanners. Yeah. Do you? Who, who was he Well, he, he plays it? a medical student. Okay. He plays a medical student, so I'm sure it was a very small role. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, he hasn't done a lot of on-screen stuff. He plays Axel, um, and one of the main leads in the movie. Yeah, yeah I don't really – I've never seen him any, in anything besides this. But he could easily fit into any of those big, lunky, blonde-haired dudes in the '80s. Yeah, yeah. Keith Knight plays Hollis. My favorite character prob- in the movie. I love Hollis. Same, same Z's. Hashtag same. 
Same.com, samesies.com, samesies.net. We got the .net in there. Samesies.gov. Samesies.gov, samesies.edu. Yes, he plays Hollis, and he's an alum of PAD because he was in class of 1984. That's right. He was was the big bruiser. He played uh, the role of Barnyard. Of Barnyard, yes. And uh, as you guys know in that, he looks nothing like he does in that movie because he's got a one of the most beautiful like handlebar mustaches I've ever seen on a young man. Yeah. That's not a hipster <laughs> I know. living in Silver Lake. <laughs> and he was also in Meatballs as well. Yes. He, he, he looks to me like... Um, he looks to me like Vincent D'Onofrio from uh, Full Metal Jacket. Okay. That's okay. who he looks like. And a, to me. And another Pat alumni or show or whatever, he, he was on War of the Worlds that we discussed on TV Obscura, the, the live action War oh, of the Worlds yeah. TV show. Yeah, he was on an episode of oh, that. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. Um, I'm sure his name's Alfred, but the fact that he goes by Alf, Alf Humphreys, who plays <laughs> Howard, is hilarious. Um, the dude was in X Men 2. Yeah, he, he, he played Bobby Blood. Drake's dad. That's kind of, I, I, I actually remember. I can, like, like once I read that, I saw his face. I was like, oh, I remember who he is in X Men 2, which, because I really like that movie. Um, I, yeah, me, me too. I thought it was better than the first one. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, first Blood, I haven't seen in forever, so I don't remember who he was in there but it looks like he's been working for a while uh, until yeah, until he passed yeah. away in 2018 yeah, he looks like timothy bottoms if you know who that actor is yeah um just kind of like generic no offense to generic doughy looking white guys but he looks like that so yeah. there you go yeah yeah he looks he looks like a character actor <laughs> you know yeah. you could it doesn't have to be doughy it'd be like tim daly could be uh yeah. it could be a you know uh tim matheson um it could be uh you know tim what's the guy from uh it could be uh, tim, home improvement it could be tim manis from talking back <laughs> podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah. tim manis there you go uh <laughs> timothy chalamet no. there you go <laughs> it could be tim allen <laughs> ooh, 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 another ooh, white ooh, guy ooh, with dark hair <laughs> you remember when that was all the rage for tim allen yeah. ooh, 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 yes ooh, ooh. yes i lived through the 90s yes i remember that <laughs> i wonder if he was like snorting an insane amount of cocaine while he was doing like <laughs> i think the answer is yes and i think he'll yes. say the answer is yes uh, yes 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 um but uh yeah he plays howard there's there's a there's a lot of like kind of one hit people in this movie i'll just hit like one more character she plays patty uh cynthia dale she was in moonstruck and uh heavenly bodies oh yeah mm. oh yeah 1984 Ooh. yeah she was the lead in, in heavenly bodies yep i was actually gonna watch uh moonstruck the other night but did did not uh my wife and oh, I, I thought you were gonna say you were gonna watch heavenly bodies <laughs> no we uh we actually we were gonna watch moonstruck but we went with risky business instead and that was a hoot and good call on that <laughs> i love i love this i love that you're like either seeing things you haven't seen in forever or you have never seen it to begin with so yeah. um you know Corey is uh i'm proud of my boy <laughs> i'm playing catch up baby i'm, I'm playing catch up <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah that rounds out the 
the essential cast, I'd say. Yeah, um, and, and if there's an, you know, we can always, you know, call somebody to, to attention. I, and actually, let me just say real quick, uh, one person that I do want to call attention to is Don Franks, who plays uh, Chief Newbie, um, specifically because he was in Johnny Mnemonic. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, he was in Johnny Mnemonic, but that's not why I'm calling him out. Um, but Better than The Matrix. Specifically... <clears throat> He play, he did the voice of Boba Fett in the old droids cartoon in that one episode that, that Boba Fett was in. Um, I'm not sure oh, cool. if he did the voice of Boba Fett in the uh, holiday special, the first appearance holiday special. I'm kind of quickly scanning to see that, but I did see that he did the voice of Boba Fett in droids. And he also was That's a voice cool. in, in heavy metal, so he's also a um, a, a podcast of dark alumni. Since that was the very first movie that we reviewed on the show. Nice, nice. Yeah, right on. Um, we'll get to the director George Mahal Mahalka. I think that's how you pronounce his Mahalka? name. Mahalka. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's got a pretty big uh big resume as a director he's directed over 47 different projects i just wanted to point out that he directed four episodes of a television series called tnt which starred mr t oh. in 1988 to 1990 oh. uh, and then he followed that up a few years later with a movie called straight line with mr t he must uh, i think he likes it's mr. T. the same characters <laughs> from tnt yeah <laughs> So, uh, and he directed a couple episodes of the Hitch of the Hitchhiker, which we discussed um, on TV Obscura with uh, you and Diallo. You did you brought that show, right? The Hitchhiker to the table. Uh, yeah, I brought that. show. Yeah, you brought yeah, that. I one. love that show. And actually, a couple of the actors uh, were also in the Hitchhiker because that was a Canadian uh, TV production. Yeah, and and shout out to all our Canadian listeners and friends and podcast hosts who live in right above us. Um, because you, you, you do good shit, eh? And, uh, and, and Lee, do you have the soundtrack to My Bloody Valentine on vinyl? Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure Crystal does. <laughs> I'm sure Crystal does. Uh, but yeah, shout out to all our Northern neighbors because we love you guys. And, yeah. uh, as, as you know, we've, we've shared the love and we'll probably keep on sharing it if we, cover any more canadian movies so there you go which i'm sure i'm sure we will i'm because i'm sure curtains and prowler will show up at some point and those uh those are de those are two canadian productions as well i believe and i wonder if we'll do uh i don't know young blood or <laughs> ice hockey movie yeah no, that, that'd be on two dollar late fee um but slap, uh, not slap yeah shot. what's the one with the, the three um the triplets was that slap shot the handsome brothers the yeah that's slap shot the handsome brothers <laughs> yeah. yeah i saw that movie i like that uh i did enjoy that one but i also liked goon i thought goon was good goon was not bad yeah yeah and, and i mean look the dude sean william scott he's a f hockey fan player and he wanted to do an homage to Slapshot, so yeah. there you go. Mm -hmm. There you go. Uh, yeah, the the writer is John Beard. Uh, he wrote the remake, the 2009 remake. So oh. 
So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> he also wrote the the 2009 remake with the same guy who wrote uh, <laughs> wrote Jason X, which is a movie that I love. So it's a, you know, what are you going to do? And oh, correct, you love your Jason I X. I do. I do. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't didn't didn't they switch the the killer in the remake or was it exactly the same? I, I cuz I feel like they switched it and made Tom, you know, the the killer or TJ. Um, but I could be wrong. I feel in that. like they did. Yeah, I feel like they did. Oh gosh, I. Oh gosh, eh. Oh gosh, eh. Oh no, eh. <laughs> uh, I sound like from from Minnesota. Yeah, I. I you know, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not gonna ever watch that movie again. Uh, <laughs> but I know it's got the dude from Dawson's Creek on it. So yeah, there you yeah. go. Kerr, whatever his name is. Yeah, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Kerr. Yeah. Uh, really quick. Uh, shout out to Happy Birthday to Me. I mean, if we ever if we ever do that movie, that's another great Canadian slasher movie with great kills, by the way. Oh yeah, the oh. Canadians know their kills, eh? Hey, you know? yes. Well, and we also did, uh, you know, Black Christmas was another was another Canadian one, eh? Yeah, Black Poutine and um, is great and uh, <laughs> all that good shit. Corey's wiping his nose with a with a tissue it's cold in here it's cold in my room he's like he goes it's cold (laughs) he goes it's cold in my room so i've got a tissue i'm like who the really you need a that's how you warm your nose eh? (laughs) by putting a tissue on there and he's like well it's my it's my jerk rag too i'm like okay there you go there you go that makes that tracks that tracks (laughs) tracks. that's that tracks all that tracks (laughs) Uh, um but uh why why don't we uh why don't we get why don't we get to that bloody time of the month and um Break it down with some MBV. <laughs> <laughs> You're the sleazy C on this one, baby. <laughs> hey, it is the bloody time of the month. You Woo! know, I'm just saying this is the this is the time of the month that we cover a movie, and this happens to be my 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 bloody Valentine. It's a bloody movie. And, why do I sound like Seinfeld? I don't know. What's the deal Seinfeld. with my bloody Valentine? Like, what's the deal with Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast that you guys should all be listening to? Yes, yes. Thank so. you. <laughs> now let's roll the trailer. It's a bad time this time of year. How many times is he going to tell this story? Oh, let him tell it. I love fairy tales. This ain't no fairy tale, little girl. If you don't take it seriously, you're a fool. (laughs) The first Valentine's dance in 20 years has to be something special. Look, Landers, you've got to get a lot of exercise if you're going to grapple with Gretchen. Oh, yeah? Well, I got a Valentine for her that she's never gonna forget. Right to the heart, huh? In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. Roses are red, violets are blue. One is dead, and so are you. Looks like Harry Warden's back in town. It happened once. 
happen twice. No. Cancel the dance or it'll happen twice. In the town of Valentine Bluffs, there are many ways to die. Take your pick. My Bloody Valentine. My Bloody Valentine, 1981. The movie starts with two miners walking through a mine. They're wearing full protective gear and masks and carrying pickaxes. They eventually come to a spot in the mine that has a little wall and a hanging light. One of the miners looks around while the other one undresses and re is revealed to be a woman. She strips out of her miner's suit and takes off her gas mask. The male miner slams his pickaxe into the wall next to her. He leaves his clothes on and says no when she tries to take off the mask. The movie did open with a sweet Paramount Pictures logo, by the way. It did, and it was one of the first times I didn't call out the logo. But yes, it was nice. It saying, was old school. I'm, they kept the, the old school logo on the Blu-ray. I'm with you, buddy. I saw that, but I was like... Are they sick of hearing us like always talk about the the opening, you know, uh, no, studio? Hey, we don't do this for people. <laughs> That's right. We do this for ourselves. You're right. So it starts with an awesome, of. awesome logo, by the way. I love it. <laughs> and and the and the, the little chicky baby, uh, she's got she's got a nice little fake ass tattoo of a heart on her chest. Yes, yes. The female starts caressing the mask's hose erotically as the male rubs her breast. It's not hot. <laughs> and looks at the it's not hot. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm like this is not sexy, Jack. This isn't sexy. And you're down there in the dust and the grime and the dirt it's and so everything. Disgusting. <laughs> you know how many like bacterial things are going on in and, there? I mean, that is why you wear that full body protection like that. So, you know, and there's that lime lime powder and stuff down there. I don't know what that does to you. Um, but you mentioned that she has a fake-ass heart tattoo over her heart. Uh, she the, the male guy looks at it and sort of caresses the heart tattoo. He then grabs her and shoves her onto the pickaxe, causing the back end to Ooh. puncture through the front of her chest and out where her tattoo was. The female screams and the camera zooms in on her mouth as it fades to the title card, My Bloody Valentine. What a fun opening intro. Amazing opening intro uh, and super graphic. The title card is kind of silly because it looks like a Charlie Brown Christmas type thing, uh, like cartoonish. But I'm okay with that. I, I'm like, it's it's so weird. It's so creepy and and so gross if you think about it. Not just the fact that he killed her, but like it just made me think of all the the weird porn that gets shot in like weird places. Yeah. And you know, those actors are probably like, this is disgusting. Like, just do it. We're paying you a shit ton of money. Yeah. Um, my question to you is, did this kill take place back in the day or post? No, I think this is the first heart that they get. This is the one that, that is, that they find at the dance hall. That's this right here. Derp. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Never mind. Um, yep. And, and But what I also like about it is the fun little bait and switch at the beginning where you think it's two guys and then it's like revealed that it's, you know, one of them is a, is a lady. Yeah. And to be honest with you, if it was two guys, we'd be okay with that too. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. It's no. 1981, so they're not going to do that. <laughs> they're not going to do that, but I'm with you, buddy. If it was two guys, that'd be A-OK. -okay, and honestly, maybe that'd make the movie even cooler. 
Um, if it was two guys, a girl in a pizza place, that would be even better. <laughs> no one remembers that show, but that's where Ryan Reynolds came from. And everyone, it seems to Hello. like collectively, it seems like society has forgotten that show. And like, I talked to people about it and people are like, no, I don't remember that. And I'm like, that's where Ryan Reynolds came from. That was a great show. Yeah. I love that show. And then they changed it to like two guys and two, a girl. And they two guys the and a girl. Thing. They dropped the pizza. Thing. I, I remember all of that. We have to fucking do that one on TV Obscura one of these days. I guess we will. Yep. <laughs> uh, after the title card, we see uh, uh, it says Tuesday, February 12th. We see about 10 miners riding out of the mine in a mine cart. They all have their protective gear on. Once they start taking their masks off, we see that it's our main group of characters. TJ, Axel, Hollis, Mike, John, all of them. The supervisor asks where Howard and the rest of the apprentices are. Hollis says they left them at the bottom to find their own way up. You gotta learn sometime, Axel says. You wanna be a troubleshooter, you gotta know the mine. <laughs> With his lower jaw thing. Uh, Axel <laughs> says they're all clear and uh, they don't need their masks on anymore, but don't go lighting any matches. Mike says, damn methane, gonna blow the mine to shit one of these days. And TJ says, we ain't that lucky. Cut to the showers. Apparently, by the way, the showers were ice cold, and they had a steam machine, an air blowing the steam into the room. So they were all also getting like cold air blown on them as the cold showers were were coming down on them. So apparently, this was a, a nightmare scene to film. Nightmare scene, but they look like they're having a. To quote uh, Flintstones, they look like they're having a gay old time. <laughs> And you're right. Like, I think that's one of the things I really like about this movie is right away they do a good job of solidifying our, our main group of friends and, and kind of giving them this this connection. And I feel they have it. And maybe that connection comes from just a bunch of men sharing naked in, in a shower together. I don't know. I've never well, never done it. So I don't know what kind of connection that creates. Oh, then I guess you answered my question because I was going to say, Corey, do you, do you remember roughhousing in the shower? <clears throat> no. Back in the day. I never took a shower in high school. I never took a shower in middle school. Never neither. Never stand in the movies when they do. And um yep. it's just something that I have just accepted, I guess happens. I just never experienced it myself. I just I got this thing. I don't need to see dudes wangs. I'm not that I'm looking, but it's like there are some dudes that like to size each other up. Yeah. It's that's not me. No. Me neither. I'm very modest. I'm a modest man. <laughs> You're a modest mouse. <laughs> I am. Uh, so we're in the showers. We see Howard running in to scrub the soot off of himself. Everyone laughs and asks if he enjoyed his walk up. He yells back and asks why they didn't wait for him. Al Axel says, You're going to need a lot of exercise if you're going to grapple with Gretchen. Howard says, Well, I got a Valentine for her that she's never going to forget. Everyone laughs, and John says, It's going to be a hot time on Saturday night. Yeehaw! <laughs> TJ says, You bunch of clowns. Things haven't changed a bit. Same as always. John says, Bet you wish you never came back, especially now since Sarah is going out with Axel. Axel kind of like looks down, and everyone sort of looks at TJ because you can tell it's a sensitive subject. Um, TJ says, "No skin off my nose. I don't give a damn." He grabs his towel and says, "Come on, last one to town gets the bruise. Let's go." Liar! Liar! 
Country music starts playing as everyone runs to their cars while they're getting dressed. This is such a fun scene. They all peel out of the parking lot and race through town like maniacs. They race by a sign that reads, Welcome to Valentine Bluffs, the little town with a big heart. As they race down Main Street, we see it's decorated for Valentine's Day, and there's a sign announcing the big Valentine's Day dance. Did you notice the... Well, first of all, I wrote down blue-collar white dudes. Gotta love that. Um, also, did you catch the um, the VW Beetle with the like can, with the with the truck back yes. or whatever the the modified back to yes. it? Dude, it's fucking sweet. I was like, I want that. Yeah, that was actually it's so. It's, so, guys, if if you're not familiar with this scene in the movie, there's a VW Beetle that has like the back chopped out of it, which looks dope. So cool, like a little um, like a little truck truck bed mm-hmm. it's really awesome and it sounds like it's souped up because it's all fast and everything um but then yeah. tj's got a fucking awesome ass like 68 camaro or something of course he does because he's tj with his ascot yeah. i mean bandana sorry <laughs> and, and his chest hair and this is very much like that small town mentality where like they all grew up together everyone in the town knows each other they come tearing into town ain't nobody gonna get pulled over for drunk driving or anything like that and like i just watched all the right moves a couple nights ago i think that was 1983 or something um yeah. and it was another movie about like a small town where sort of everybody knows each other and so i'm not gonna lie to you between this movie and that movie i'm feeling a little nostalgic for small towns right now um but i i i mean i grew up in a small-ish town but it was still like on the outskirts it was in between dc and baltimore so you know it was still like pretty heavily populated but only was kind of a small town you bump into people you know and everything like when you go back and visit and i run into my ex-wife's mom and that's awkward you know See, that's the reality of living in a small right. town that they don't show in these things because they always show the Norman Rockwell or the fractured Norman Rockwell painting. The reality is these are the people you don't want to be around and they make your life miserable and and and, and you want to get the fuck out of there like TJ did. And I, I don't blame him uh, on, on that level. That's how I felt about living in Sunnyvale from time to time. I'm like, oh, my God, really? <laughs> people that I want to be... Anyways, uh, yeah, no, I, I get it, man. I get that that small town nostalgia, and uh, especially with movies like that in this or, or uh, the Blob. The, right the Blob was another small the blob. town one. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. But then there's also a level of like you know, uh, you know, people get people get ostracized and you know iced out of certain factions and friendships. And uh, next thing you know, it's like if you're part of that kind of uncool group, then then your life is ruined. Yeah. You know. Uh, it isn't it in all the right moves that they have a song that goes dun, 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 the right moves. I don't, I don't recall like music as well as you do. Um, I, I've never been musically inclined and I've always been more of a visual artist. So I've honestly learned so much about music from you. Uh, and our, Ooh, our pal, nice. John Spees, who does the blast from our past with Adam. Uh, they have music episodes that I love because John's a music teacher. Um, so pretty much yes. like you and John are my only two music teachers in my life, but I haven't trained my ear too much, but I'm starting to notice things like, like in risky business, I got excited because I saw the Tangerine Dream, you know, the soundtrack. I was like, oh, cool. Of course, because I know from The Keep, which, had, you know, had that amazing Tangerine Dream soundtrack. But I just don't have that kind of recall for music like you do. 
That total recall. That total recall. <laughs> By the way, the Tangerine Dream did the soundtrack to that movie Flashpoint, and I know you like that movie Flashpoint oh. with uh, Treat Williams and and. Um, Good call, and, buddy. Uh, Chris Christopherson. Filed yeah. that one under a movie that was like a weird drama film. Not weird, but it was like I weirdly liked it when I was really young. Like I thought it was really cool, and it, I also kind of felt like I was. I was seeing something that was a mature, you know, or something, but uh, yeah. I don't really remember it, but I remember loving it and also loving the box art for it um, as a kid. And I really want to rewatch it badly. And you telling me it has a Tangerine Dream soundtrack makes me want to watch it even more. There you there go. There you go. This, this movie, My Bloody Valentine does not. However, the soundtrack is really yeah. enjoyable. It's not, it's not um, distracting or bad no. or anything like that. No, I found it to be, I found it to be quite good. Quite good. Yeah. Um, so they all barge into the dance hall where the girls are setting up the decorations. Howard yells, quitting time, Casanova's here. And they're all like holding beers. Uh, Gretchen says, Howard, stay away from me. Hollis is greeted by his girlfriend and Axel gives Sarah a kiss. John picks up his tiny girlfriend, Sylvia, by the head, foreshadowing for later, and kisses her. And she says, you big lug, I missed you. Oh, man. Again, I love every single one of these characters, and I wanted the, every single one of them to survive. Like, I actually got invested in this as, like, a drama movie where I want, I got invested in their characters, and they start dying. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a slasher film. Oh, no, I forgot. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, TJ drinks his beer and watches everyone. Sarah sort of looks over at him. Howard hands Gretchen a Be My Valentine heart and says he wants her to be his date to the dance. Gretchen says, Dry up. Then Howard says, You know what would look really good on you? Me. <laughs> she says, Suck it in and zip it up, will ya? Axel gets a kiss from Sarah and yells to the boys, Let the good times roll. And Howard honks his air horn. He also has a hat that says, Love those hookers. Howard is a character. <laughs> There, there's a couple baseball caps in this movie where I'm like, I can see Sleazy C wearing this. Yes, Hollis has one that says "Kiss My," and then it's a, it's a, it's an ass, it's a mule, like you know, a yep. donkey, an ass. Yeah, the the hats were on point in this. And not gonna lie, at the first viewing, I thought Howard was a smidge annoying. The second viewing, I found him to be endearing and, and enjoyable. I agree. I agree. H Howard also had a hat on that says. Team Cannabis cruising. Oh, cap. that's right. Yeah, later on he has the the cannabis hat on. Yeah, Howard's got all the funny hats. Um, now you can buy those hats at Hot Topic, <laughs> and no one on no one who listens to this show goes to Hot Topic, right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Actually, I love Hot Topic. Yeah, they got some good stuff in there. I was I meant to say Urban Outfitters. No. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Whatever. You get the point. I haven't been in a Urban Outfitters in 20 years. I get. I mean, I don't shop in stores anymore no i don't either I, I i miss that i have one pair of pants and uh everything else is just t-shirts uh, either podcasting after dark t-shirts or cavity colors t-shirts and that's pretty much all i have now <laughs> <laughs> nice on main street we see the mayor talking to mabel he says the dance is the best thing to happen to this town in years your decorating committee has done one hell of a job mabel says well, after all, the first Valentine's dance in 20 years has to be something special. The mayor asks her to kind of play down the fact that it's the first one in 20 years, and she kind of nods in agreement. The mayor and Mabel walk to the dance hall and stop at the front door. The mayor says to just concentrate on having a good time Saturday night and put all the other businesses to rest. 
Mabel agrees and goes to open the door when it flings open in front of her and Howard comes running out with red paint on his head. Mabel screams and falls over. Howard falls into the mayor's arms and says, hi, guy. The mayor yells, come on, you clown, and tells him to help Mabel pick up the stuff she dropped. This is, it's, it's an intense scene because it's clearly paint, but but it's such a shocking moment. You're like, oh, shit, okay. Well, it's clearly paint, but at the same time, it's the same color as, like, every blo- all the blood in Scanners and all the blood in Shivers. So it's like True. it either could Good be point. paint or it could actually be – or the movie could be telling us that it's blood. But, yeah, it's the same color as paint. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's a gotcha moment. Yeah. I like it. I do, too. The mayor and Mabel walk into the dance hall, and the mayor yells, You're supposed to be decorating the room, not each other. TJ walks past the mayor to the front door, and the mayor asks where he's going. TJ says, Where I always go this time of the day, for another beer and a real good nose pick. Kind of bumps into Chief Newbie as he walks out the door and doesn't say hi. Axel says, I don't think he likes being back in the mine very much. The mayor says, Well, that's too bad. No one told him to go out to the West Coast. It's not my fault he couldn't make it on his own. But now he's back here. He's my son, and he's working in the mine. Again, this... I I didn't... After, you know, L.A., I didn't go back to Maryland, but I felt the way TJ felt. You know what I mean? And and there is, like, this... There is like this decompression period after you leave the place you you went to and you you just you're trying to reestablish yourself. You're trying to figure out now who you are in this different area. Maybe I'm reading a lot into it or just putting myself in in the shoes, but man, oh man, this viewing I really connected with TJ. The chief tells the mayor that they have to hit the road if they're going to make that meeting at Centerville at 7. The mayor agrees and the, they leave the dance hall to Mabel and the kids. Mabel says she has to go wash the stuff she dropped when Howard scared her. He says he says he's really sorry, and she kind of laughs at him and, and leaves. It's it's sweet. Like you can tell she's not mad at him. You know she knows he's the yeah, like, the goof. A- you know. Uh, just then, Howard remembers something and grabs a wrapped heart shaped chocolate box and runs after the mayor. He gives it to him and says someone left it for him at the dance hall. The mayor looks happy and asks who it was, but Howard doesn't know. It was already inside the dance hall when they got there. The mayor happily takes the box of chocolates and says he needs an excuse to get off this diet anyways. Cut to uh, Mayor Hanniger riding in the passenger seat of Chief Newbie's pickup truck. The mayor says, if there's one thing I like more than Christmas candy, it's Valentine's candy. So he just likes candy, right? I think that's just the answer. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. There's one more. It's Valentine's candy. I thought it was Easter candy. Oh, I like that too. I like that too. What about Halloween candy? Oh, yeah. Maybe you just like candy. You just like chocolate, I think. I think. <laughs> Hold on. Let me take my teeth out because they're rotten from all the sugar. He opens the box, but not completely because there's a note inside. The mayor reads it out loud. From the heart comes a warning filled with bloody good cheer. Remember what happened as the 14th draws near. The mayor looks scared, and he quickly looks down and fully opens the box to reveal a human heart. The chief pulls over, and the mayor says it can't be happening again. The chief turns on his siren and hangs a bitch right there and drives back into town while a dog chases after his car. Clearly, that dog was— That dog almost got hit, (laughs) by the way. I know. And run over. That was clearly not a part of, like, the script or anything. That was just somebody's dog got loose off their property and chased the car. (laughs) Yes. And and, and also, too, this just popped in my head. 
So the woman that was murdered in the beginning of the movie, there's like no discussion about anybody missing from town or, you know, it would have been nice to like, you know, maybe bring up the fact that they had transients that come through town or maybe like, you know, uh, I'm so glad you've cleaned up the prop prostitution right. problem we had here yeah. last week or something like that. I don't know. Allude to something. Yeah, because it never gets brought up. Yeah, you're right. And and, and it, it'll be talked about more uh, when we get to like the coroner's office and that he knows it's a 30 year old female or a female around the age of 30. But yeah, there's no discussion of anyone missing in town or anything like that. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm with you there. It would have been nice to actually have something called out or even if it was just in the background, somebody who asks like, hey, has anyone seen jennifer lately or something you know something like that yeah and anybody seen the town tramp yeah oh uh, yeah <laughs> i think she went to she went up up the up the town to the other town up there what's what's the name of that town again uh poutine <laughs> no that's sell that there oh yeah it's called rick's rick's cabaret yeah that's the name of the town oh yeah <laughs> they got good chocolate there too <laughs> the, the town's name is letter kenny eh Letter Kenny, eh? Yeah. <laughs> cut, well, and here's the thing: cut to the bar, cut to a bar called the Cage, and yeah, like maybe they just—I would have been like cap, like like you said, if if maybe she worked there, and like maybe the waitress Harriet or, or Hap, the bartender, was like, you know, yeah, Jennifer hasn't been, didn't show today or something like that. Didn't show again, yeah. or like, yeah, typical Jennifer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, oh Jennifer! Oh Jennifer! <laughs> She's she's credited as 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 woman in in the you know so we'll just make See, up her name her name's gonna, Jennifer that, now that's horrible yeah. her name's Jennifer Calypsi and uh, she was awesome <laughs> we have in, a whole backstory for her <laughs> she was great at Second City down in Chicago her improv work is on point then she taught it uh, she learned acting through uh, Stella Adler in Hollywood she was all over the place <laughs> and then she winds up being random woman who gets killed at the beginning of My Bloody Valentine and now she's a Walmart greeter at the bar called The Cage we see Axel and Hollis great pl- name by the way I know playing the, uh, the, the, the knife game from Aliens <laughs> T- two knife <laughs> movies in a row I know what are the hell are the chances and some people are going like, wait, what do you mean? If you are a patron subscriber and you have listened to our Carpenter uh, Factor episode on Dark Star, you know what we're talking about. That's right. But if you're not, Go please consider doing so because it's a great show. Yeah. It's a great show. And, and, and the Carpenter Factor on Patreon. And Dark Star was a great movie. Yeah. So we see them playing the, the knife game. But unlike yes. in the movie Aliens, like it's not, you know, Bishop kind of does it to his own hand or does it to, to Hudson's hand over his own hand. Here, they're doing it to their own hands, but they're not looking down. They're looking at each other. They're not breaking eye contact. And I'm like, I, it's it's a more intense version of the Aliens knife game. So it's like the it's like the jerk off game, right? Like if you look, if you're looking at each other's eyes, you're not looking at each other. You're looking at each other's eyes. So it doesn't count. I guess I don't know. I've never. I don't know. That, <laughs> file that. That's another thing that I know people like our age people experienced when when they were younger that I never did, which was having all your friends come over and renting a porno movie, like when you're in your in high school or something, and then you all just watch the porno movie together in the dark and jerk off. And to me, yeah, as a kid, or, that sounded fucking horrible. 
Yeah. Or if you're like me and you wanted to come home and just play with your toys and, and your brother and his friends say, get in here and get in here. watch this. <laughs> that's exactly what they did. They forced me to watch. And that's why I'm traumatized for life. <laughs> did they Meanwhile, force to... all I wanted to do was play, play my G.I. Joes. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> and yet you were watching New Wave Hookers. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, my, my, my brother's friend was like, are you going to watch this? This is called a queef. And I'm like, what's a queef? I was 10, dude. Beep. No, maybe I was 12. Beep, beep. Yeah, beep, beep. <laughs> then I heard, found out later what it was through Tony Bannerman. I'm like, I already know what that is. Like, I know what that is. I seen it. <laughs> I've seen things I can't unsee. <sighs> so we, uh, at, True. <laughs> at the bar, the bartender Happy, a.k.a. Hap, is talking to D, uh, TJ. And Love Hap. I do, too. He's, he is intense. Fucking Hap is great, though. He's great. Yes. Up until a point. I know. I know. I know. Uh, so he says, it's a bad time this time of year. I don't know. He, he all of a sudden just launches into rhyme, kind of, which is which is another thing that just is awesome. I absolutely adore it. So uh, he's he's large Marge. Good call. That's a that's a good one. He's this movie's large Marge. Uh, so he goes, it's a bad time this time of year. There's bad things coming. Mark my words, you hear. Beware the 14th if you value your life. See, TJ kind of like looks at the other guy and sort of rolls his eyes. He walks away, and Axel and Hollis keep playing the knife game. One of the guys at the table says, how many times is, is he going to tell that story? TJ is standing by the juke, jukebox watching his friends play their dangerous game. One of the girls says, oh, let him tell it. I love fairy tales. The bartender says, this ain't no fairy tale, little girl. If you don't take it seriously, you're a fool. Just then, Axel stabs himself with his knife. I love that. Hollis laughs at him. Axel like sort of flicks Hollis off with his cut middle finger while TJ laughs to himself at the jukebox. And then uh, the bartender, Hap, continues, I know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you now, this town is accursed. It all started 20 years ago. And we go into a flashback. Really quick, yep. the, the the dead giveaway that something was going to happen to one of the dude's hands when they're playing the knife game is that the hands are like these really fake-looking rubber hands. <laughs> yes. They're funny. It's it's very funny. Uh, yes, I noticed that too. I did notice that Where too. Where the skin is like totally different color than their actual bodies. Yeah. And by the way, TJ has the coolest uh, Pittsburgh Steelers ringer tee on. I want that. Well, um, as a Ravens fan, fuck Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm just saying, I, as a as a non-binary <laughs> uh, football fan, because the, the the Detroit Lions have always sucked pretty much. Uh, I'm just, it's a cool looking T-shirt. Yeah, no, I'm like, that's it, a dope T-shirt. It, it is. It's like different color ringer on the ringer. Yeah, and 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 Terry, our buddy Terry Chapman's in the car, who who's a who's a you know Steelers fan, yelling back to me right now. Fuck the Ravens, Steelers rule. So, Terry, I hear pretty you, much. buddy. I hear you. Scoreboard. Who who made the playoffs this year? Any of them? No. <laughs> oh. No, I think um, I, I think Ravens did. But eh, now that I'm on the West Coast, sadly, I don't really get to watch that much uh, Ravens East Coast football. So, um, but the flash. So we got the flashback, and Hap narrates the entire flashback. And I kind of don't really need to describe it to you. You can kind of figure it out as I as I as I say his narration. Um, it was the night of the Valentine's Day dance at the Union Hall. That's the dance hall that they're at. Uh, or they were at earlier, the biggest event of the year. It had it, it had been a tradition for over a hundred years. 
Everybody was there except for seven miners who were out at the Hanager mine. Five of them still down below. Two supervisors were waiting for the men to come up. Anxious to get to the party, they left before the men were safely out, failing to check the methane gas levels in the tunnels down below. We see an explosion and, and the miners sort of flying through the air. The five men were buried alive as the town continued to party. For six weeks, we dug around the clock to try to save them. After we broke through, one man was found alive. I was the one who found him. We see the miner sort of eating a human arm. Harry Warden spent the next year in the state mental hospital. Exactly one year later on Valentine's Day, he came back to town. He killed the two supervisors who had left their post the year before. Then he cut up their hearts and stuffed them into heart-shaped candy boxes. That night at the dance, we found the boxes, blood dripping out the sides. Inside was a note, a warning from Harry, never to hold a Valentine's dance ever again. Every February 14th, Harry comes back to town, his pickaxe stained with blood, waiting in the shadows of the Hanager mine, just for someone to kill, so should they not heed his warning. Cut back to the pre bar present day, and Hap says, It could be you! And he points at the group of friends, and he goes, I know what I'm saying. Forget about having a party at all Saturday night, or you may not live to see daylight. Just then, Howard pops up in front of the bar and blows a raspberry at the bartender, and everybody laughs. The bartender says, laugh now, but you'll be sorry you didn't listen to me. Howard makes a cuckoo face and mocks the bartender. Him and the girls go back to the table uh, with the rest of the gang. Harriet comes over with a beer and asks who ordered it. They all break out into a song here. The virgin song. <laughs> yes. Uh, be before, before we get to that, though, I just want to say that flashback sequence is phenomenal it's it's really good yeah it's super creepy uh it's it's a great it's a great story it's a great backstory and it, and it really makes sense as to why this character would go on a killing spree and then they pull out all the stops like when they go to rescue him like he's all screaming and everything and he's eating screaming and eating cannibal yeah. cannibal he became a cannibal yeah, it was wild. It's very effective, very effective, almost yeah. as as effective as this toxic masculinity uh, that we're with the Virgin song. Yeah, the virgin oh yeah, song. it's so classy, so, so, so classy. classy. Does, it wouldn't it be great if we all could could uh, know everybody's uh, you know <laughs> sexual. Yeah, uh, we do. It's called Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> oh. There was a young barmaid named Harriet, who's never been robbed of her chariot. Oh, try as she may, the girl can't get laid, a valentine virgin named Harriet. Jesus. <laughs> you guys thought I was going to uh, go into the Spongebob song, didn't you? At the, be at the beginning. <laughs> oh, who lives under the sea and likes to have sex with clams? Harriet. Harriet. <laughs> who likes to get haggis from Mike Myers and so I married an axe murderer? Harriet. <laughs> oh, but you, Why did I turn into Clancy Brown doing a bad version of Krusty Krab or whatever the fuck his name is? But, I don't know. But you're right. It's like, my God. And she laughs. The other girls laugh. <laughs> and, and everyone's laughs. What else is she going to do? Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like, oh, but there's, they're just boys ha being boys and having fun. But you know what? This, this is why if, you know, Harriet 
had lived, you know, she would need therapy probably in about 20 years because she's going to have to deal with all these fucking things that these assholes did to her. Yeah, it's horrible. It's fucked up. And not that these guys deserve to be all killed, but maybe they deserve to all be all, all killed. I'm just saying. Or at least maybe they deserve to be, you know, maybe beat up or something. But, you know, it in as we always say, it was a different time. It was I think it was it was obviously supposed to be more tongue in cheek back then, but we're we are still we can't help but look at it through a twenty twenty two lens, you know. But Well you just reminded me of trading places when they'd sing that song about Candace. Yes. yes. You know, and it's like when I saw this, These I immediately thought of that, the tr- Trading Places scene where they sing to her. And it's like, it was, what? so what was like the early 80s, late 70s, like, it was like this thing to like serenade women with these like horrible songs about how they want, how we want to fuck them and how they're ver- virgins or something, you know? Yeah. And then you got that dude on the Supreme Court who's like, uh, boofing was farting and you know we were just fun we were just having a good time you know this shit leads to dudes thinking they have power over women yeah. that's how it works that's how it works it is it you is you know gang gang up on them and break them down and not, it's really fucked up not gonna lie though they did sing the song very well though they did i well and it was kind of catchy not spade mm-hmm. a spade <laughs> yeah exactly it's called spade a spade it was kind of a catchy song too not gonna lie so yeah uh sarah gets up but axel asks where she's going she says she just wants to put on some music of course T- we going we going of course tj is still standing over by the jukebox tj turns around and pretends to ignore her sarah looks back to axel who's staring at her but he kind of looks down she says to tj it's your own fault you know that, don't you? And I like this. I like how TJ goes, I never said it wasn't. Sarah asks why he can't accept things the way they are. TJ says, thing is, I don't like things the way they are. He grabs his jacket and walks past her. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody. I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. And now, back to the show. At the Centerville Police Department, the chief and the mayor are in the coroner's office. The chief gets off the phone with the psychiatric hospital, but the nurse doesn't know if he's there or not, Harry, him, he being Harry Warden. They'll have to call back tomorrow during the day. The chief says uh, he hopes this is some kind of joke and the kids are just trying to scare the hell out of them. This is to your point, Zach. Just then, the coroner comes in and says, It's a human heart, all right. A young woman, about 30 years old. What the hell are you guys doing with a loose heart? Looks like a butcher ripped this thing out. 
what's going on over a Valentine bluff? And like you said, it's yes, it's it's cool to know that they're aware that it's it's that, but it doesn't like they don't put any kind of like APB out on like a missing woman or something like they don't investigate that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a loose end. It's not it's not in the scheme of things. It's not that big of a deal. It's like nitpicking, nitpicking, but I get it. I mean, it would have been nice, though. You know. Yeah, no, I'm I'm real I'm fully with you. It's nothing that at all changes my love for this film. Um it's just something no. that I that I, I too noticed as, as well, especially since it's such a small town and they do a good job of establishing at such a small town that where would Axel meet her, you know, to 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 do that and and that no one would miss her. My only maybe maybe he went to Centerville. Maybe he she's from this town, like the next town over type of thing. Probably. Yeah. The mayor says, you remember Harry Warden? The coroner says, oh, God, of course I remember. Those were terrible murders. I thought they locked him up in Eastfield 20 years ago. The mayor says that they did. The coroner asks if he's sure he's still there, if they're sure he's still there. The chief says they'll find out in the morning. He's checking on it. The coroner picks up the heart and says, I think you have your answer. It looks like Harry Warden is back in town. Harry Warden's back in town. <laughs> gotta, Michael Bublé. Gotta get back Dead. in town. Ah. Gotta get back in town. Uh, you remember that bit on Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live? Kevin Elam would be in the elevator, and he'd just start singing the theme song to the show <laughs> of the guest that was on there. Michael J. Fox was on there, yes. and he's like, gotta go back in time. You remember that? You remember that? That was good. That Michael was... J. Fox is like, yeah, back in I, Gotta go back in time. I was a big Kevin Nealon fan uh, when I was younger. I always liked his, uh, his his all of his shit, man. I was I loved Kevin Nealon, dude. So funny. Yeah, he's he's good shit. Kevin Nealak. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Nealak, buddy. Yeah, go go listen to our "I Come in Peace" aka Dark Angel episode <laughs> to know about Kevin Nealak. Oh, fucking, I love that was a good one, buddy. Kevin Nealak was a good one. Yeah, I know. And then go to T, uh, go to our T Public store yeah. via our website, and uh, and and buy the Kevin Nealak T-shirt. Yes, I have it's really one. Really dope. I love it. I love it. Uh, cut to the killer walking up to Madame Mabel's laundromat and looking in to see Mabel drying the decorations Howard got dirty earlier. The killer walks into the laundromat and sees it's completely decorated for Valentine's Day, and he starts breathing heavily. He places a heart-shaped chocolate box on the table and kind of backs away from it. He doesn't leave, though. Mabel comes out of the back room with her tea and sees a box and gets excited. She says, I wonder who sent this. She says, Jake, and looks around. It's so sad because she's so happy. Yeah. She opens the box and reads the note. Roses are red. Violets are blue. One is dead. And so are you. Just then, the lights go out in the laundromat. The killer lunges out from around the corner, but Mabel dodges his grab. She falls to the ground, but quickly gets back up and runs for the back room. The killer grabs her by the hair and pulls her to the ground where he sinks his pickaxe into her. One thing I also took from this on this viewing was, you know, I think, you know, the mayor, I think Mabel, I think uh, uh, the chief, they were all these kids 20 years ago. You know, and I like how there's a different group of people. But like you can tell the mayor loves Mabel probably the same way that TJ loves Sarah, you know, and stuff like that. They grew up together. There was a there's a fondness. I like that. Again, this is a very good character centered slasher film. 
It's like picket fences with pickaxes. I like that. I actually like that. (laughs) And again, I was so wrapped up in these characters' lives that I didn't even want this to be a slasher movie. I just wanted... I just wanted to see them party and have fun and, and, you know, have it be like a slice of life, you know, summer teen movie. But it's not. You can. You can you can buy the Picket Fences TV series that David <laughs> Kelly produced. And Tom Skerritt. Don't. I know. Yeah. And Five-ish Finkel. I remember when that show was on, dude. That was such a big deal, man, Went back in the 90s. That was a big deal. And then he did Mystery Alaska, which was a cool slice of life hockey movie with Russell Crowe. You remember that show 30-something? Yeah, I remember 30-something with my boy Peter Horton from Side Out. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, that was a show back in the I 80s. Love all I was too shows. young for that one. I was too young for 30-something back then. I just remember 30-something, one of the characters, they had just had sex. And they, like, but, you know, of course they didn't show anything, but they showed him, like, the woman getting, like, lay, uh, the man or the woman, whoever was on top rolling over and they're like covered in sweat ah ah, so good it was like provocative right yeah because it was on at 10 o'clock at night and i remember that that being the like sort of the big deal about it that it was like a provocative sort of mainstream show it pushed the envelope like like nypd blue pushed the envelope 12 years later you know and everything (laughs) yeah and i'm like i don't need to see this sweaty (laughs) sex (laughs) Uh, yeah, we were not 30 That's something. he rubs his nose with his handkerchief. <laughs> his sex handkerchief. Sex handkerchief. <laughs> uh, cut to the guys in, in a junkyard. Hollis, Howard, and Mike are cooking food on a car engine. Uh, Hollis says, now this... Awesome. Yeah, I know, right? How cool is that? Hollis says, now this is what I call junk food. And they're also smoking weed, which is really cool. Smoking weed, eating food. <laughs> You're doing the nudge, 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 nudge. <laughs> uh, we see someone uh, watching them as the camera sort of POV walks, moves through the junkyard. Um, we hear Axel playing the harmonica in the passenger seat of a rusted out car. The camera moves behind him and TJ hands him a bottle of whiskey. It's kind of like a little bait and switch. Uh, he tells, you know, Axel to move over. Uh, TJ gets in the car next to Axel as Axel gets out and stands next to it. Axel takes a swig of whiskey and hands the bottle back to TJ. Axel starts playing his harmonica, and TJ takes out his and starts playing too. Axel stops and sort of looks at him. TJ says, I guess we got ourselves a problem, huh? Axel says, yeah, I guess so. TJ asks what they're going to do about it, and Axel says there's nothing to do about it. Sarah's going with me now, and that's all there is to it. I ain't going to back off for you, TJ. Nobody asked you to go away. TJ says, come on, Axel, don't give me any of that horse shit. You're beginning to sound like my old man. Axel says, too bad, man, you left. Look, you left. You went away and we didn't know where you were or when the hell you were coming back. I ain't going to back off for you, TJ. You stay the hell away from Sarah. TJ gets out of the car and yells, all right, you want to fight? Then you got it, because you and I both know who Sarah wants. Axel just looks at TJ and walks away. TJ hits the car in frustration as Hollis walks up to him and says, You're kind of hard on him, TJ. Can't exactly blame him. TJ says, It's nobody's fault. Then says, You know, I really do like that son of a bitch. Remember how we used to tear this place apart, get drunk, race out to the bluffs? That was great. I guess things change, huh? Nothing stays the same. 
Hollis puts his hand on TJ's shoulder. And this is another thing. Like, I just, I really also like the relationship of TJ and Axel. And yeah, obviously Axel is going to become the the bad guy. But it's also interesting if you know that here they do kind of switch it because you think Axel's going to be all aggressive and everything. Now he does sort of build up his aggression throughout this movie towards towards TJ. Yeah. But right out of the gate, you're like, you don't, I don't think you think it's Axel at all because he he won't fight TJ back or anything like that. So. So, you know, again, if you take the serial killer aspect out of this, I still also enjoy, like, TJ trying to reconnect with his best friend and, like, the fact yeah. that, like, they don't tell you that Axel and TJ were best friends, but, I mean, my God, we can all tell, you know what I mean? And, and yeah, I think, you can And tell. that's a testimony to the story and the writing and the actors. Yeah, agreed, agreed, and uh, agreed. And I think that's what really makes this movie hold up so well. Yeah, no, I, I do too, and this scene is important, it's... Most of the the scenes are important in this movie. Mm-hmm. A couple of lines of dialogue where I'm like, okay, we're getting to that too with TJ. No, but you're right. Actually, it's it's a it's 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 an hour and you know 33 minutes, which is you know pretty pretty beefy for a slasher 80 slasher film. But you're yeah. right. I wouldn't know what to cut because I think everything's important here. Yeah. No. Totally. And done apparently on purpose, but they put you know um, the 14th to be a Saturday to make Friday, February 15th. So, so February 3rd, I'm sorry. February 13th is actually a Friday making this Friday, the 13th, making it like they did it on purpose to make it an homage to Friday 13th, because at this point, I mean, Friday 13th came out and it came out strong. Like it, it right out of the gate. People were like, we're digging on it. So I think it was already a part of the zeitgeist, even like a year later, you know, that's, awesome and it's really shocking if you think about it because usually it takes time for those things to build yeah and it's already a year in and they're like already painting already like you know doing an homage now that being said i think it was an easy homage like i guarantee you when they wrote it they probably didn't have the dates like that but like you know closer to the filming and everything they're like oh let's just easy homage let's just make it these dates and then we can have a friday the 13th in here so and smart marketing yeah you know you survive Friday the 13th, but will you survive Valentine's Day on Saturday the 14th? Yep. Very good. Good point, buddy. I, ha- I I don't know if they actually used that, but I guarantee you some newspaper ad or something did use that, you know? And then if you survive Saturday the 14th, maybe <laughs> you won't survive Sunday the 15th because it's God's day. What the fuck? And it's Corey's birthday. Because it's Corey's birthday, and you know what happens on the 15th of Corey's birthday. Well, if you could see the Kleenex that he has, you'll know. <laughs> you'll know. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, I, I would like to point out that I was three years old at this point. <laughs> trauma. Modern trauma. Uh, cut to the mayor and the chief in the police station. The chief is on the phone with the psychiatric hospital asking about Harry Warden. On the other end of the line, we see an administrator talking on the phone. She says that they have no record of Harry Warden past or present. The chief asks, how could that be? He was committed there under court order. She says in 20 years, any number of things could have happened. He could have been transferred, released, or he's on the slab. Spoiler alert, it's the last one. Mm -hmm. The chief presses harder and says... I have to know what happened to this man, and I have to know now. She said she, uh, she said she checked everything except the microfilm over in central filing, and that will take several— Microfiche. 
Ah, those days. Ah, the old microfiche. Uh, <laughs> and he'll take a couple days to check. The chief says he needs answers and he needs them fast. He'll be waiting for a call and he hangs up. The mayor says, what more do we need to know? It's got to be Harry. Then he says, maybe they ought to cancel the dance. And the chief kind of like looks at him. Cut to Sarah and Patty walking down Main Street. Patty is asking who she really likes, Axel or TJ. Sarah tells her to quit joking around. This is serious. Patty says she can't have them both. Sarah says she doesn't want them both. She says, TJ won't talk to me. He just sulks, sulks all day. He ends up making me feel guilty when he's the one who owes me an apology. And Axel's not behaving any better. I don't even want to go to the dance on Saturday night. Patty says she has to go. She has to see the dress she's going to wear. Just stay with her and Hollis for the whole night, you know, and and they'll be fine. And they enter sort of a grocery store. It's funny because I'm like, the the dialogue that's written, it's it's written by a dude (laughs) for a women's perspective, you know. (laughs) You're right. Because then Patty's like, you should see this dress slit all the way up. This, it's all hanging down like this. And my boobs hanging out. She didn't say that. But, you know, that's what they're implying. And just like it's clearly written by a dude. To your point, Patty looked hot as fuck in that red dress, though, at, at, on Valentine's Day. Heavenly bodies, bro. Yeah, Heavenly oh, bodies. Man. Fucking, I'm bumping that motherfucker up the queue fast, bro. <laughs> our our, uh, our new new patron, Aaron Gilmer, is like, yep, got that one. <laughs> yep. like that one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Cut to Madam Mabel's laundromat, and the chief is looking for her. He says he has to talk to her about the dance, but there's no reply from Mabel. There are two dryers running. The chief walks to the back room but doesn't find Mabel. He sniffs his pipe and kind of sniffs the room. Something seems to smell bad to him. The chief checks one of the dryers. He pulls out the clothes and smells them. Just then, the second dryer pops open, and Mabel's burnt body falls out and looks at him as it like keeps rotating. Uh, you know, because the, the dryer's still going. Smoke comes out, and the chief looks like he's gonna be sick. That was a, it's a good fake body, by the way. It is, and then the, uh, the little snuggle bear comes out too, and he's like. Didn't get him. I didn't get her smelling as fresh as I wanted to. Oh, <laughs> oh that Snuggy Best Snuggle Bear. Oh, what was his name? Snuggy, wasn't it? Oh, wasn't Snuggies? Something yeah. like, oh my Snuggy? God, dude. I loved that mascot as a kid. That was one of my favorite fucking mascots. Oh, and for a second, I didn't know what you were talking about, but then it hit me. She's not as fresh as she's supposed to be. Because I could just see his his little head sticking out next to her burnt, you know, husk of a head. <laughs> Good one, buddy. Oh, Lee, Lee, can you take a screen cap of this and kind of Photoshop a Snuggy sticking his head out? <laughs> we know you can do Photoshop. <laughs> Come on. Come on. You know you want to. Good one. That was a good one. I have my moments. Cut to the mine, and Axel is telling his team of John, Hollis, and TJ what to do. He tells TJ to take care of the sump. By the end of the movie, I still don't understand what this is. Even though we actually go into the sump, I don't know what it is. Is it the sump tank? Is it where all their bathroom shit goes or something? I don't know. Sewage under maintenance protection i don't know i don't know uh tj tj says you get a pump down there or i ain't doing it axel says you do it or you get your ass out of here for good just then howard says he'll do it 
Axel looks annoyed, but, you know, he lets Howard do it. And Howard's very enthusiastic about doing it, too. Yep. The guys ask what's eating Axel today, and TJ says Axel is after his ass because of Sarah. TJ says, if he keeps it up, I'm going to nail him. Axel yells, move it, Hanniger. TJ stands up and gets in Alex's fi- Axel's face. Axel says, anytime, loser, and TJ lunges for him. The supervisor breaks them up before anything happens. The supervisor sends TJ topside and tells Axel, there ain't going to be no fighting in my section, Palmer, understand? Hey, fuck you, Palmer. <laughs> he walks away and Axel spits his chew out on the ground. And by the way, that's like an earworm for me. I can't hear the name Palmer without in my head hearing Windows saying, because of you, Zach, hearing Windows saying, hey, fuck you, Palmer. Hey, fuck you, Palmer. Thomas G. Waits did a great interview with us. Check it out. And that was that's a, that's literally a thing that you have forced sort of into my head. <laughs> You're welcome. And the Snuggies will be by the end. I know. Hey, come on. Come on. And then <laughs> should, and Lee, make Snuggie standing in her open heart wound, too. <laughs> At Mabel's laundromat, paramedics are taking away the body as the chief and the mayor talk. The mayor says, what an awful smell. He lights a cigar and he lights a cigar in a crime scene and says, this is is like it was 20 years ago. I can remember those murders like they were yesterday. Chief, you got to get help from Granville. The chief says, not yet. If they call in Granville, they're going to have police crawling all over the place and a hell of a panic on their hands. You just mention Harry is back and this town won't be worth the powder to blow it to hell. Jesus. The paramedics are about to move the body and the chief stops them. He tells them to move the ambulance around back and load her up from there. He doesn't want anyone in town to see Mabel like this. The chief pulls the blanket back covering her and tells them Mabel died of a heart attack. That's all. Just then he notices something and reaches into her chest wound and pulls out a heart-shaped note. It reads, It happened once. It happened twice. Cancel the dance or it will happen thrice. I love the word thrice, by the way. The mayor says that's it. The dance is canceled. He says they need to tear down all the decorations or Harry will keep killing. The chief agrees with him. Finally. Right. I feel like he's at one point. I feel like he's the the mayor in Amity Bay where he's like, everything, everything's going to be fine. We're just going to have a great summer. And it's all going to be good. Like, dude, no, no. And no, there's like this is beyond uh, someone just being murdered. This is someone being tortured to death. So, no, that's not cool. And that I'm with you. You bring up a good point, I should say. He's the opposite of the Jaws mayor. Like, he's ready to do the right thing, like, right away. And I, and that's another thing that I really like about this movie. Aside from Hap, none of the adults are, are assholes to the kids. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I feel like that's kind of refreshing. And Hap is actually, has justifiably so, to be an asshole up until a up, point. Up until a point, becomes yes. A, <laughs> becomes a dick, but, you know, uh, but no, he, he makes, it's like, come on, guys. Come on, guys. We need to cancel the party, you know? We don't want it's to... not going to happen. Eh? But if I talk to you super nice, then you're not going to get the job done. But if I say, get your shit out of here and shut this place down, then people will do it. Eh? By the way, it's Snuggle, snuggle Bear. Snuggle, snuggle bear. bear. That's right. Snuggle Bear. Snuggy is the thing you wear. It's <laughs> Snuggle. Yeah. Oh, man. I love that mascot. <laughs> Am I soft and fresh in your flesh wound? (laughs) (laughs) He's got to be, like, covered in blood and everything. (laughs) 
Oh, man. After you take a shower with the shower head going in your mouth, you can wash off with me. <laughs> Snuggle bear. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, just go Google it. You'll see it. And it was It's very 80s, and I think it went into about early 90s, too, as a mascot. So. Yeah, it's now a meme. So yeah. if you just... Yeah, snuggle bear meme. It's pretty funny. <laughs> At the dance hall, the chief is locking up the doors and telling everyone there's nothing he can do about it. Patty walks up to the scene and asks what's going on. The chief says that the mayor has canceled the dance and that's all there is to it. In the light of Mabel's death, he had no choice. There will be no parties either. One of the girls says Mabel would have wanted them to have the dance. She worked so hard on it. You can't cancel it now. The chief just says... This and that's the way it is. There will be no dance tomorrow night and no parties. Ah, just accept what I say. That's the way it is. Isn't that an old school like parent thing? Yeah, yeah, it is. Cut to the mine and TJ is clocking out. He's already all cleaned up and dressed. Alex and his crew come out of the mine and Alex yells at TJ, you and me got something to settle. TJ says, you bet we do. And he kind of gets in his car and drives off. Cut to TJ escorting Sarah out of the grocery store and into his car. She says, I don't want to go with you. Are you listening to me? TJ smiles and pushes her in the car and then says, nope. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, he slammed, he pushes her face in the car and, oh, it's cute. No, it's not. It's really not (laughs) by today's standards, by any day's standards. He technically abducted her. Yeah, he abducted her, and and I feel for the guy. I feel for him having feeling terrible about coming back home and the whole deal. But he didn't like. You're, we're gonna get to this in a minute, right? Her yeah. whole speech about yeah. what happened. Rightfully so. Like she's probably the one of the few characters in this movie where it's like, actually, the women are the ones who you you have the most sympathy for. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I think she is very right, you know, in, in correcting her feelings and everything and how, yeah, I'm, yeah, I know what you mean and I'm with you. Still entertaining when he pushes her head in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still cute. I still like it. <laughs> Cut to TJ and Sarah walking through, like, they're, so they're down, uh, it's not like a beach, but it's it's by the water um, and it's, it's a sewage plant. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dead bodies running around. <laughs> And there, it's like so. It's like yeah, bluffs and cliffs type of thing, but not as well, not you, as much as the fog you know what, though. You know what it looks like to me though? It looks like uh, the, like Nova the bay. Scotia. It looks like Nova Scotia. I guess, but like the bay in uh, Street Trash when uh, mm. when when they when the the overweight dude has sex with the dead body on the ground, and I'm just like just like nasty. I don't know. It, it's not nasty looking, but I'm like, it's a bay. It's yeah. Like a bay, it, eh? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a bay. It's not really a beach type of thing. It's a bay. Yeah. You're a bay. <laughs> Beautiful and what is it? What's bay stand for? I thought it was just short for babe. I didn't know that it no, was. An, I didn't think it was an acronym. Something. I didn't know it was an acronym. It is. It stands, uh, Femme French told me the other night. It's like beautiful and. Energetic? I don't know. I, uh, erotic? Beautiful, uh, artistic, and I don't know. Okay. Zach, that was great radio, my friend. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You know what I have to say to that? (laughs) Beep, beep. There you go. You're like, I'll I'll save it. I'll save this whole thing. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. You do that. Let mm-hmm. me. I'll get through this, and then you tell us when I get to the end of this scene. So they're... Person's boyfriend or girlfriend. Bay just may mean tacos. 
Jesus Christ. So, okay, never mind. DJ asks Sarah, do you remember this spot? She says, of course she remembers it. She then says, why didn't you write to me, TJ? Why didn't you call? TJ says, I wanted to, believe me, but I couldn't. I really fell on my ass out there. I made so many mistakes. I do like how their accents like come and go through this, you know? I made so many mistakes. I made yeah. so many mistakes. But I learned something. Sarah walks away, but TJ chases after her and says, Look, give me a chance. If you still want me to go away, I will. But I have to tell you that I love you and I want you back. Sarah says, How was I supposed to know that? I honestly didn't think you were ever coming back. You just left me here. TJ says he's so damn sorry. Then they have a really passionate kiss. Yeah, but what did he learn? He never told her what he learned. He learned how to kiss? Maybe he learned how to kiss. Yeah, I know. But again, again, I everything TJ just said, says right here, I relate to all of it. What did I learn in I L.A.? Get... I learned so much in L.A. I, I can't even. I learned so much. Uh, by the way, Bay stands for before anyone else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Corey just looked at me with this like fucking look like the dude Michael Bolton gives in uh, office space when he turns and looks over his cubicle like all like annoyed as fuck like <laughs> good one mm. good reference good reference by the way if we ever oh, I'd love to do that one that's a good that one I love office that's space. a good one but yeah no I get it I get it yeah and he's he just wants to get her he wants to get what would you want to get her and marry her what does he want to do? He wants to marry her, eh? Put some babies in her, eh? Put a baby in her, eh? Because that's what women are. You put a baby in them, and they pop it out, and that's what happens. They're a toaster, basically. I think... And the bread is the baby, and you eat it. What? I, th- I was going to say, I think we're just devolving into strange brew accent at this point. <laughs> hey, Doug. Hey, Doug. Yeah? You're hoser. <laughs> You are too. Hey, should we go get a toque? Yeah, let's go get a toque. And a beer? Yeah, and a beer. Okay. I love Rick Moranis so fucking much. Me too. And I hate the guy that beat him up in New York a couple of years ago. Oh, Jesus, I know, I know. I know. Physical violence so not necessary. Here's a question for you. Back at the bar, Axel is playing shuffleboard? billiards what is that it, it's yeah shuffleboard it's okay. the little thingies the little uh disc thingies okay the little metal thingies all right so he's so that's that's the shuffleboard table next to the jukebox yeah shuffleboard's fun by the way yeah, i played it i played it once i th- yeah i enjoyed it i enjoyed it um I'll- you know it's not fun mm-hmm. video game version of shuffleboard <laughs> no no <laughs> fuck that uh, so he's playing shuffleboard. The rest of the guys at the table uh, are at the table with their ladies. Uh, TJ walks in, and Axel asks if he's been if he's seen Sarah. And this is this is some hardcore shit. TJ brushes him off and says, "Ain't my turn to watch after her." Ooh. Yep. Cut to Sarah walking through town at night. She looks scared as an owl hoots in the distance. She says to herself, damn it, Sarah, why do you do this to yourself? How am I going to tell Axel? So you kind of get an idea that she wants to probably be with TJ. She looks behind her to see if anyone is around and keeps walking. She turns around again, but no one is there. When she turns back, Chief Newbie is standing there with a flashlight in her eyes like an asshole. 
He says sorry for startling her. He's just making his nightly patrol. Sarah walks past him and goes in her house. She says goodnight to the chief. By the way, have they showed the logo on the chief's door yet? The no. Or did you the, did you spot that? At no, the end? and I didn't. I didn't. And is there something cool about it? Because I didn't even notice it. Yeah, I wrote it down. Um, it is a heart, and uh, it's with a helmet mm. and a shovel and a pickaxe, and there's nine stars around it. But it's like a heart, and inside the heart is the helmet. And a pickaxe and a shovel making an X. Oh, cool. And then like nine stars. But it's, yeah, pretty badass. That's cool. Especially since that's also foreshadowing to Axel and TJ fighting at the end with the pickaxe and the shovel. Yep. And maybe maybe they clanged nine times. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool, dude. That's That's really cool. I did not pick up on that at all. Thank you. You're welcome. And for some reason now, I've got Allentown by Billy Joel stuck in my head. Because <laughs> it's like blue collar workers. I don't know why. Love them. They're backbone of uh, this world, actually. They are. And if, if anyone listening is a blue collar worker, we salute you. We because I've been down that road. I know how hard it is. We fucking salute you hardcore. Hardcore. We, we salute you so hardcore. So hard. <laughs> Back at the bar. You can feel it. <laughs> TJ orders a beer from Hap. Hap says, you hear about Mabel? She got it just the way I said. Heart attack my ass. Fucking Hap. Really quick, really quick. Yeah. I just want to go back. It just stuck in my stuck in my head. Yeah. TJ kind of a little bitch. Like he could have told, he could have told Axel, you know, look, man, he could have been the one to tell her tell axel well no i mean it's her I mean, choice he right i mean she she's supposed to tell yeah. axel even you know like but when he's like where was sarah he's like we well, oh sarah was with me at the beach right right oh. In, instead of letting axel like be like where is she he could have been honest about you know that he was with her i know what you mean i get what if you're saying they're buddies yeah. if yeah. they're buddies from way back when yeah the tension at the table the gang is talking about having a valentine's day party if they can't have a dance holla says where Newbie's got this whole town locked up. TJ comes back with his beer and suggests they party in his father's mine. Everybody kind of laughs at him, but TJ pushes back and says they have everything they need. A rec room, a pool table, everything. Mike says, yeah, in the mine, where people are killed and eaten. Howard chimes in with, beware of Harry Warden. Hollis tells him to shut the fuck up. This is my favorite part. This is literally one of my favorite parts in the entire fucking movie. Then Hap yells from the bar, Beware of what you make fun of, you little asshole. <laughs> Howard goes, Who? Hap yells, You. And then Howard looks, then Howard looks crestfallen. <laughs> I love that. And it's like a fun little cut where Howard goes, Who? And it cuts to Hap, and Hap goes, You. And it cuts right back really quickly. And, ha- and Howard just goes, <laughs> it's I, it's really funny. It really is. It's legitimately funny. Um, and he, yeah. he goes, forget about having a party at all tomorrow night or you'll be sorry. Uh, TJ gets up and goes to the bar and says, piss on Harry Warden and that damn old legend. We're going to have ourselves a party. Don't you go telling nobody. Hap says, don't say I didn't warn you. TJ turns back to the group and says, that settles it then. We're going to the mine. We're going to have ourselves a party. And everyone cheers. The camera dollies in on Hap and he says, assholes. Dude, seriously, this is like my favorite scene in the fucking movie. Yeah, no, I love it too. 
There's legit good humor in this film, by the way. Yeah, it's funny. Cut to the mine at night, and we see Hap in mining gear breaking into the mine. We see the chief drive up to the gate and check the lock, but it's secure. So Hap broke into a different door. He, like, broke into the main door. The chief drives up to the gate, but it's locked. Back at the mine entrance, Hap is setting up a prank to scare the kids. He says, I'll show them. Piss on Harry Warden, will they? I'll give them a scare they'll never forget. He sets up one of the minor outfits to look like a person and has it rigged so that when they open the door, it pops up with its pickaxe in hand. And this is really weird. Hap opens and closes the door two times to test the rigging. And he's kind of like laughing maniacally when he does it. (laughs) And the thing kind of springs out and everything laughs. He leaves the he leaves, but then like has this weird th- like he has a decision. He goes back for one more laugh, I guess. But this time he opens the door, and the killer is standing there instead. And the killer one the the second best kill in my opinion. Killer swings the pickaxe up, up through Hap's lower jaw, and in the front the the spike of the pickaxe comes out of Hap's left eye, pushing it out. So, of course, he kind of takes Hap to the ground and then fucking just the killer just drags Hap by his fucking, you know, head off into the darkness. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's a really awesome kill. I I think the reason why he went back that 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 last time was because he he opened it up so many times. And that last time it didn't work so well. Oh, you're right. I think he was going back to check. Yeah, you're right. There was like a a 2.5 time where it didn't work as well. And he kind of shoves it back in. You're right. He probably was. Yeah, I think you're right about that. He was like, it didn't really work well. Let me try it again. But uh, yeah, and this this scene probably led to my OCD in life because like checking things over and over (laughs) and over and over and over and over and over again. And you know what happens when you do that, guys? It doesn't help. It gets you killed. <laughs> That's right. So, like, what? Every time you, like, close the door, you touch the doorknob, like, four times, and you walk. Yes. You have to touch your forehead, like, five times. And <laughs> Yes. Or you, like, you run all the way downstairs from your apartment and then realize, wait, did I turn the light off in the bathroom? And you run all the way back up, and it's off. Yeah. And you run down, and you're like, wait, did I turn the oven off? Or did I use the oven today? I don't know. I better check. You know what that's called? Daddy brain. Oh, yeah. Dude, it only gets worse <laughs> when you when you get older and add Alzheimer's on top of it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, you know what? I can't wait for both of us to get Alzheimer's, and then we can basically revisit this entire podcast from the very beginning, and it'll be all new for us. <laughs> it'll be all new, and it'll be like, hey, uh, did we do this movie? 20 years ago. <laughs> but that death, that death with Hap is great. Yeah. And, and, and it's also like they, they turn I, up until this point, I kind of was feeling for Hap. Like, no, this dude knows what's up. They're all going to die. You shouldn't be doing this shit. Then he pulls this prank on him. Like, ha, ha, ha. and you realize, no, that, okay. Now they're justifying why this guy should be killed. Yeah. But you know, it, so less sympathy about this guy getting killed than other people in the movie agreed agreed he this one's probably the least sympathetic kill in the entire film yes and now it's saturday february 14th hey everybody Corey here i just want to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages 
I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal mm. is a joke. <laughs> Hello. La, la, la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La, la, la. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. And now, back to the show. I wrote down, I'm like, we're, we're like not even halfway through the movie and we're already in Saturday the 14th. Yeah. Like, we're, we've already made it to the day... Judgment Day, and we're not even halfway through the movie yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're you're 100 right because I actually wrote down the 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 some of the times here, and uh, right now we're at about the 35 minute mark. So yeah, we have a little bit less than an hour uh, uh, left, but uh, things like killing things move pretty fast though. They do like killing. Yeah, lots and lots of killing. And don't forget about me, <laughs> Snuggy. I'm going to call you Snuggy Snuggles. Okay. Will you put me in the dryer with the dead body? What? No, there's no dead body. There's a dead squirrel out there. There is? Yeah. Are you looking? You're an animal killer? I am. Oh, gosh. That's freaking. Are you looking out on your deck, or is there a dead squirrel out there now? No, no. We actually feed our squirrels. Jesus Christ. And then they shit everywhere. Of course they do. God damn it. Don't fucking feed them. They're fucking rodents. Fuck. God damn it. I love squirrels. Oh, so cute. God. All right. <laughs> God damn it. Did I tell you the story about the time when we had a bar- yes. we had a barbecue yes. on my deck with the rats? Yes. Yes, you did. And then someone's like, just turn the burner on and kill them all. And I'm like, no. No. And then you're, no. My God. Was that Dan? Did, was that Dan that, that said that? That was my neighbor said that. And I'm like, ah, uh, hell no. And then the mom came later that night and took them one by one off of, out of the barbecue that morning. Out of the barbecue, saved all the rats. See, mama, mama rat loves her babies. Don't fucking burn them. I love them. rats. Dan, god love damn it, rats. Dan. Dan, Dan. <laughs> bitter. Dan. I know that's Dan too. <laughs> yeah. yep. Everyone's got a Dan in our life that got... just like hates life. <laughs> but you know, I, I miss Dan. Tell Dan I said hi next time you see him. <laughs> I will. He still hates life. Of course, I know. I know Dan. Of course he does. I know. <laughs> this will be the one time he actually listens to this episode, and he's like, "You said I hate life." <laughs> 
Tanzanite. Suck my what? Not. Oh my God! I just had this memory of this guy named Mark Strauss, a buddy of our, a listener of the show. Dean will know who Mark Strauss is. This kid was a bully. He'd come up to you and he'd be like, "Suck my what?" Like he'd want to start a fight with you. Yeah. Like he said, like you're saying that to him. Mm-hmm. Suck my what? Kiss my what? Just, like, just what, to start what a fight. Yeah, big doofy looking kid, like six foot two in junior high. I I think the reason I got by use my axle. He's your axle. I think the reason I got by in in middle school and high school because I was big. I, I wasn't the bully, but I had the body of the bully. You know what I mean? You had a bu- body, <laughs> the bully body, body by bully, baby. <laughs> so I didn't get picked on as much. Oh, thank yeah. God! Because yeah. he would have wound up like Axel. I know, or you. True. <laughs> so February fourteenth, Valentine's yes. Day. Yes. We see shots of tattered Valentine's Day decorations blowing in the wind, and the mayor and Chief Newby looking at each other. They both look worried. Night falls on the town of Valentine Bluffs. Cut to our gang bringing party supplies into the mine's rec room. TJ pops a cassette in and plays some music while everyone sets up for the party. There's a lot more people than just our main group here. Cut to the police station, and the chief asks one of his deputies if anything is going on. The deputy says it's been quiet all evening. He points to a heart-shaped box of chocolates and says, this came for you. The chief looks at it and says, oh, my God. He tells oh, his, my God. <laughs> he tells his deputy to go grab him some coffee. Uh, the deputy leaves, and the chief opens the box, but it's just chocolates. He smiles and— I want to point out the—sorry, uh, I want to point out the deputies, like, very, like— Okay, chief. Okay. They cut to the deputy, and he's like, okay, chief. Yeah, yeah. No problem, chief. Uh, Everything's happy. But I do like how the chief was kind of trying to protect him, the deputy, from seeing a a horrible scene. Um, But then I think this is actually sadder. He smiles because, you know, it's not a heart. But then he reads the card, and it says, be my Valentine, Mabel. And, you know, Chief looks kind of sad. And I was like, oh, yeah. that, that's kind of actually worse than, than the heart. And that's this is when I start piecing together. I was like, you know, I bet, you know, the Chief, I bet the, the Mayor, Mabel, they were all the same group, you know, just 20 years ago. They were all friends growing up and everything. And just, I don't know, I was like, that kind of sucks. Come back to the party, and Hollis comes in offering people beer. Howard and John are drinking beers through a straw and being silly. TJ and some other people roll in, and TJ asks who busted the lock outside. Ah, it's the lock, ha- the lock hap broke. Howard yells that Harry Warden did it. Axel and Sarah come in behind TJ. Axel gives TJ a look as Sarah walks by him. Mike and Harriet are playing pool together. Everyone seems to be having a blast. And I just wish it kept going that way. Just then, John and Sylvia make their way to the door. But everyone starts egging them on. Patty said, Sylvia's going to get it tonight. And then, oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> they leave the rec room. We see Dave talking to his date. He tells her he'll talk to her in a minute. Tommy asks Dave why he shaved and calls him a baby face. Dave says he's trying to get Chief Newbie off his back. He wants to get out of this town quickly. So I, I like that. Dave also wants to get out of town, too. Yep. Dave then says he has, has the munchies and goes back into the kitchen. Back in the kitchen by himself, Dave finds a pot of boiling water for hot dogs. When all of a sudden, the killer comes up from behind him and shoves his face into the pot. He drowns in the boiling water, and we see kind of a cool shot of a hot dog floating past Dave's like open eyes and, and burned face. 
And uh, I want to <laughs> give Aaron a, a huge shout out. Um, she really helped me figure out the characters' names because, you know, sometimes they say them later, right? But in the beginning yeah. of the movie, when they haven't actually said the characters' names, I I'm trying to go off IMDb and be like, this person said this. And, I and, you know, of course, 1981 movie, everyone has current pictures on IMDb, so I couldn't tell who half the people were. So Or no pictures at all. Or no pictures at all. So I had to send pictures to Aaron and be like, who is this person? Who's that person? And uh, she really helped me there. Crystal also helped me with uh, some other characters as well. So it was, it was a team effort. It was really a team effort for old, old Corey to break this movie down with the help of Aaron and Crystal. So thank you both. Yeah, guys, thank you for helping out Corey doing his job. <laughs> doing his fucking job that he gets fucking paid for. Do your fucking job, man. <laughs> Fun fact, the next movie I break down, there's like four characters. <laughs> Just saying. Fun fact, I can't fucking wait to watch the next movie that you're breaking down. And he knows what it is. You guys don't know what it is yet, but I can tell you right now. Ooh, baby. You know what? I'm going to give you all a little bit of a spoiler. It's We're back in the wings, baby. It's a Wingshauser flick. Woo! Take these broken the wings. wings are back. Yeah! Love it. Fucking love wings. <laughs> Fucking wings. I, I'm glad that our Wingshauser tribute has gone from a miniseries to just a, a, a series-wide, just an <laughs> ongoing tribute to Wingshauser. And I'll give you one little tease as well, uh, a little spoiler. If you ever wanted to see Wingshauser dribble a soccer ball, well, you're in luck. It's gonna hang. It's gonna, it's coming. <laughs> that makes me want to watch it even more. I can't fucking wait. <laughs> oh, dribble a soccer ball. <laughs> oh man, I love you. I love you, With Wingshauser. Like a basketball. <laughs> I love you so much. Oh, my God. Uh, cut back to the police station, and the chief tells his deputy that he has a bad feeling about the mine, and he's going to go check it out. Just then, he hears dogs barking and growling outside the station, and he goes to investigate. Outside, dogs are fighting over a bloody heart-shaped box, eating the, the gore inside. Newbie chases them off, then picks up the letter and reads it. You didn't stop the party. And he looks around and yells, what damn party? <laughs> I like that. I, I get his frustration right here. He's like, it's not my fault. I don't know what party that it is. It's so funny, though, watching cops in the early 80s because they're just so, like, idiotic, if you think about it, by today's standards, yeah. what, what the knowledge of police officers are now, yeah. you know? Because police officers now, no, they know what's up. They can find people in no time. But back then... You didn't know what the hell was going on. Back then, you just looked around like Jennifer Love Hewitt, and I know what you did last summer, and just yell, what party? <laughs> and that's your police work right there. Not going to lie, I freeze frame that scene quite a few times. Not going to lie, that's the best shot in the entire fucking movie. Not going to lie, I don't fucking like I know what you did last summer, but I love that shot. Cool soundtrack, though. Sure. Cool soundtrack. Typo negative. Oh, okay, okay. Typo negative sings like this. <laughs> Cut back to the Valentine party, and Hollis is giving Mike shit for sucking at pool. As they walk off, Howard attempts to impress Gretchen by snorting beer through a straw. He says the first time he tried snorting coke, he almost drowned. Oh. <laughs> like, it's all cheesy, but again... I love Howard. I absolutely he's love him. He's the comic relief. He is. He's the Howie Mandela. He room. is with a gold tooth. He should, 
Yeah, he should have put a uh, he should have put a plastic glove over his head and made it the fingers thin out. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I know. What you're like Captain America says, I understood that reference. <laughs> <laughs> Axel is trying to aggressively show his affection to Sarah in the middle of the party, but she tells him to stop. He gets more aggressive with her, and she yells, "Please stop it!" And everyone kind of stops what they're doing and sort of looks at him. TJ tells him he better stop it. Axel tells him to back the fuck off. We were doing just fine until you decided to come crawling home. In case you haven't noticed, things are changed around here. She don't want nothing to do with you. Sarah says, do you mind? I have my own mouth, thank you. TJ says, then why don't you use it? Tell him. Axel says, tell me what? TJ says, she wants to come back with me, eh? (laughs) Axel says, bullshit, man. And Sarah yells, why don't both of you just back off? You're acting like a couple of jerks. Axel says to her, you just love it, don't you? This pisses TJ off and he gets in Axel's face, but Axel clobbers him with a right hook while everyone watches. TJ throws another swing, but Axel blocks that one and punches him into the pool table. Yeah, yeah, TJ's kind of a pushover. Hollis jumps in and breaks them up as Sarah and Patty watch. Hollis throws Axel down, and Axel gets up talking shit to Hollis, but Hollis just yells for him to leave. And I kind of got the feeling that Hollis, the actor, threw the Axel actor a little bit too hard, you know, because he kind of goes down. You can tell the Hollis actor is, like, looking over, being like, oh, shit, you know, but they stay in character, and and I like it. It has good energy. Uh, Axel storms out of the rec room into the night. He walks towards the mine with a fresh beer in hand. Inside, Hollis is asking TJ if he's okay, if he's sure he's okay. Patty is kind of comforting Sarah. The music is stopped, and people are chatting amongst themselves. TJ goes to Sarah and says he's sorry for all that. He didn't mean for it to happen. Sarah cries and says, TJ, please stop it. I just don't care anymore. Just leave me alone. TJ walks away from... She walks away from him, and Patty goes after her. To break the tension, Howard snorts beer out his other nostril and everyone laughs and the party starts back up again. Again, Hollis is my favorite character in the movie. And he looks totally unrecognizable as to what he looked like in Class of 84. To the point where I didn't even know that was him until right before we started recording and I was just checking IMDb. Like, I usually have a pretty good eye for faces and he, yeah, he's got a lot of hair in this movie and then, you know, his character Barnyard in Class of 84 is completely shaven face, clean shaven face and a buzz cut head. So it's like the exact, and no glasses. So here Hollis has glasses and that sweet, sweet mustache you were talking about. Yep. Yeah. Acting. (laughs) Acting. These are actors, not real people. Sometimes Corey's confused. (laughs) How did he go get a face lift in Mexico? (laughs) Uh, Face off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and by the way, Zach, nothing is sadder than sitting outside and crying into the beer that you're drinking like Axel is doing. Yeah, he's he's playing a pretty good part because he's about to go on a killing spree pretty soon. Yeah, I know, right? I got a Labatt's. 
<laughs> I got a Molson. Give me that Molson, eh? Well, the <laughs> Moosehead beer is all over this uh, is is all over this movie, and I wonder if they. I think it's a Canadian beer, and I wonder if they kind of um, uh, sponsored it. But while we're talking about beer. Myra was a little bit confused. Now she is ten years younger than than me, um, but she was a little bit confused by the beer that you pop the top sort of completely off, you know. And yeah. I was like, "Yeah, that's." I mean, I, I never experienced that, but I vaguely remember them back in the late, you know, late seventies, early eighties. But they kind of got phased out early, mid early eighties, right? To 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 have it so that you just pop the lid and it, you don't actually take the tab off with it. Yeah, I, I feel like that was a 70s thing. I don't yeah. remember. Then again, I wasn't drinking beer in the 80s. but uh, Yeah, exactly. But I think that was, yeah, I feel like that was, it changed in the 80s. Yeah, like early 80s. Like this was probably like like 81 right now. This is probably the last of those beers that you have to pull yeah. the top all the way off and everything. Don't you always have to pull the top all the way off in life? I think that, yeah, there's some sort of life metaphor there. Yeah, yeah, there is. <laughs> don't don't go for the don't go for the half. Go for the whole. Go all the, the way, baby. Top. Go all the way. Go full top. If you're top. gonna pull the top off, pull the whole thing go off. Go full top. <laughs> in the mine, we see John and Sylvia making out in one of the mine carts. Ah, oh, another couple. I like John and Sylvia too. I thought they were sweet. Uh, she looks up and sees. Agreed. Yeah. She looks up and sees all the minor outfits hanging above them. It's kind of freaky, by the way, with all the minor outfits there. She asks how they get the outfits down, and John tells her to pull on the rope. She does, and one of the outfits sort of falls on them. They both laugh. Sylvia says, you know what we need? And John says, yeah, I got one right here, and pulls a condom out of his wallet. She says, no, a couple of beers. John says he will go get them for her and for her to wait right here. He'll be right back. Textbook 101, why? No, you go with Right, but let her lay there. What's she gonna do? But I will push back and say, in 1981, this isn't textbook 101. You know what I mean? Like as mid to late 80s come, then it's then it becomes cliche. Here, I think they're still building, creating the genre. You know, but who does that though? You want me to come with you? Yeah, Yeah. you can like gallivant and be like, you see this lady right here? Yeah, she and I are going back to the sweaty, stinky thing to get it on but yeah i'm with you like aside from them being in a slasher movie yeah just bring her with you be like yeah let's go grab it come on just go grab them real quick and then we'll go back right back out you know now actually they should have just grabbed it at the beginning they should grab the beers right away but okay but you know hormones and all that yeah john walks back into the party and sees you know how you make a hormone how do you make a hormone zach uh when when it comes time to pay her you tell her you don't have any money (laughs) oh (laughs) Sorry. Uh, well, you, <laughs> you you went with the buddy. You put it on the table. <laughs> hey, and you picked it up and you ate it. So there you go. <laughs> the, my giant matzo ball. Uh, <laughs> oh. Uh, hey, hey who, who put this giant matzo ball on the table? I did. Can I have it? Yes. Oh, thanks. Zuzu, my hair. <laughs> my hair. <laughs> My guitar. It's all scratched up. Zuzu. Uh, matzo ball? How the fuck did a matzo ball get on the table? <laughs> oh, man. John walks back into the party and sees TJ looking pretty low. John asks if he's okay, and TJ just says, same old shit. 
In the kitchen, Gretchen is pouring more water into the boiling pot of hot dogs and talking to another girl at the party. Gretchen says that Howard really makes her gag. Then she says she actually likes Tommy. The other girl agrees. Ooh, Tommy. John walks in and says hi to the two girls and goes to open the freezer. Gretchen yells as she pulls, I think, like a cow heart out of the... It's something like that, right? Or a cow stomach or something? I mean, was it supposed to be his heart, though? Well, I mean... No, I don't think it was. Is it boiled? I don't think it was. I do think that this was actually truly a prank. But okay. But you're right. Actually, it makes more sense if it actually is his heart. To me, though, it it didn't. It just didn't look like a human heart. So I just took it as a prank, you know. Well, when it, when the thing's been sitting in boiling water. True. You, you know what, Crystal? Let let us know, please, which one it is. Is it is it a prank well, Crystal, or is it really supposed right. to be uh, Dave's heart? You know I'm right, Crystal. You know I'm right. I, I think you're. I think you are right. I think you are right. I think I'm wrong in that Thanks. in that assumption. Um, Am I right? No, Snuggle. Go back to bed. <laughs> go back. Go back to that fucking bloody dryer. <laughs> go back to the bloody dryer now. Okay. <laughs> it's wet and cold in here. It it works because I just I love that mascot so much when I was a kid. I wanted a a, a toy of it. Like I actually wanted me, a toy. They too. didn't have one. Nope. Alright, so sorry. So here's something that I'll have to kind of explain and, and whatnot. So Johnny is at the freezer. When the girls yell, ooh, he turns around just as he's opening the freezer and he kind of laughs because he thinks it's a prank. He grabs the beers without looking for them and slams the door shut. What he didn't see, but we as the viewer see saw, was Dave's dead body in the freezer with his face all like melted up. So I can imagine, yeah, that was an interesting thing to sort of probably write as like a script goes. But when you watch it unfold, it actually, I think it, it makes sense that, that, you know, it just, it's one of those silly things. John didn't see it. You're like, how does John not see the, the dead body in the freezer? They make it work. You, you see how it sort of happens yeah. that way. It works for me. Yeah. I, I have no problem with that scene. Yeah. Oh no, me neither. And I, but I think it's very interesting. Back in the mine, Sylvie is laying in the mine cart. She hears a creaking noise and looks up. All the outfits are gently swaying. That's very eerie. She then hears the showers come on and yells out, John, is that you? She gets no response, so she jumps out of the car and yells, if you're trying to scare me, you're doing a good job. Just then, the minor outfits start falling on Sylvia. She screams and runs through them as she's yelling for help. They keep falling all around her until eventually the body of Hap falls down. His head is still, like, hanging on the hook. Sylvia screams, then turns around to see the killer standing right behind her. She keeps screaming as he grabs her by the head and picks her up. He takes her to the showers as she's kicking and screaming, and then the killer impales the back of her head on an exposed water pipe. It gets even more gruesome because Sylvia is left there hanging and twitching as the killer turns on the water. This kill is brutal as fuck. It is, and it's yeah. I think it's kill number five that we actually see. Yeah, and 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 this one was the one that was the most chopped up 
in, well, I guess this in, in Mike and Harriet later, but we don't actually see it. So this is the only one that's been restored that was so chopped up at the beginning. But also Hap's eyeball hook it was, was chopped for that kill too. But this one is, because this one is like also one of the ones, whenever you look up My Bloody Valentine, this is like one of the pictures that comes up. So this is like oh, yeah. the, the like one of the centerpiece kills in the movie, and it's fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah. John comes back into the room and calls out for Sylvia, but gets no reply. He sees the showers running and gets excited. John starts taking off his shirt, but the showers are very steamy. He can't see where Sylvia is, so he calls out for her. John eventually finds Sylvia's body hanging and and drops his beer. He's in such shock he can't scream. He just stares at her while water is coming out of her mouth through the pipe in the back of her head. So freaking cold water, probably too. Oh yeah, exactly. Definitely cold water. Ice cold. That's why she's she's twitching because she's cold. Yeah, yeah, shivering. Chief Newbie is in his truck driving to the mine. He gets a call from his deputy saying that they just heard from the psychiatric hospital and it's urgent. I mean, he's right there. The chief turns around right as he gets to the gate and drives back. It's a it's a great moment though because you're like, oh, you're so close. Yep, so close yet so far. So far away, away from me. Nah, he probably would have showed up and got blasted like Richard Farnsworth did in Misery. You yes. Remember when the yep. sheriff shows yep. up and you're like, I'm here to save the. Yep. No, you're not. The, wow. Goodbye. That was one of the most like yeah, underratedly shocking kills I've ever seen. Yeah. It's such a bummer. I hated I it. I know. I know. I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. And you, and I, I agree with actor. you. If if the chief did show up, he probably would have just been he just probably would have gotten got, you know. All right, guys. What's going <laughs> Back in the rec room, Sarah and Howard are making faces at each other and Patty says to Hollis that she wants to take a trip down to the mine together. She wants to ride in the mine cart because it's like a roller coaster, but Hollis says it's 2000 feet down. Patty just wants to cheer up Sarah though. Harriet chimes in and tells Mike she wants to go, too. Hollis finally concedes on taking them down to the mine. Howard is going with them as well. So, so Zach, so, you, you looked up uh, how, how far is 2,000 feet down? Is it like is it half a mile or something? It's almost a, it's almost half a mile. Okay. I mean, that's pretty yeah, fucking deep, it's dude. It's like .378. Okay. Damn, that's that's deep, dude. That is fucking deep. And they and they shot this movie like in a real mine. Like these aren't sets or something. So they were. I mean, yeah. they said I think at some point they were actually like like three hundred feet or something below ground, and it was cold and shit down there. And they had to use special lights. They couldn't use the traditional film lights because they had to worry about methane gas and and explosions and stuff. Don't worry, guys. It's a really safe shoot. Everybody's gonna be a okay. Really. Uh, honestly, I don't know. I'm just making that up. Well, the irony is once the town found out that their mine was being used for a film, they didn't know what they just found as used for a film. They cleaned up the mine and then the film crew had to pay money to get the mine back to the way it was looking before because they wanted it to be disheveled and they got there and they're like, why is it so clean? Why did you guys clean the fucking mine? (laughs) 
Well, we knew you were coming, so we we made you dinner exactly. too. We made you some dinner, eh? <laughs> God, I love Canadians. Everybody up here is nice. You're too fucking nice too, sometimes. Sometimes too eh? fucking nice. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. They just, they cleaned the funny. mine up. <laughs> As Hollis, Howard, Sarah, Patty, Mike, and Harriet leave the room, TJ chases them down and asks where Hollis has taken them. He says just down to the mine for a quick ride. He says they'll be right back. TJ says he knows the rules. No women in the mine. Hollis blows him off and takes the group to the mine carts while TJ goes back to the rec room. Stupid. In the mine cart room, Hollis grabs some helmets and some flashlights off the wall. He also brings blankets for them. Hollis then goes to the switch and turns on the track. Sarah says it's too dark and scary and that she's going to go back to the party. But Patty sort of insists. They descend into the darkness. Once they get to the bottom, Harriet asks where one of the tunnels goes. Hollis says it leads to an abandoned part of the mine. The gang insists on a tour of the abandoned shaft. As they are walking through the mine, Howard thinks he hears something. But before he can investigate, Hollis calls him back to the group. Hollis takes them to the old engine room, and Mike and Harriet decide to stay and fool around. Mike tells them they'll meet up in the main mine shaft in 10 minutes. Hollis says, don't take any longer. Mike and Harriet look around the dark room and find a bench to sit on and make out. I'm sure that's where Harriet wants to lose her virginity. In a dark, dank engine room, 2,000 feet below the surface. I lost mine in a 78 Corolla. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's like well at least these assholes will start will stop singing about me now ah uh, can you imagine though oh splinters in your ass dust in your crevasses <laughs> there's no like blanket he laid down no. it's just like you know in that scene in uh, fast times when when um stacy's losing her virginity mm-hmm. to ron johnson in the dugout yep. and she's like looking up at the mark like the writing yep. on the the graffiti I just, meanwhile, she's looking up and seeing like soot and just like dangling lights. And the guy's like, oh, hold on. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Eh? I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. Eh? I'm going to shoot. Eh? <laughs> okay, buddy. Feel eh? I feel like a splinter is going in my. Oh, 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 he's a splinter in me. Oh, that's just me. Oh, hey. Oh, shit. Sorry, Harriet. I didn't pull out. Were you wearing a condom? Uh, no. You didn't ask me to. You fucker. <laughs> now our lives are ruined. Guess we're gonna be in this town forever. Until we get impaled. <laughs> <laughs> in about T minus three, two. <laughs> Dead. Pro- problem <laughs> solved. Solved. <laughs> Jinx, one, two, three, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> upstairs gretchen comes running out of the kitchen screaming she keeps yelling he's in there and pointing to the kitchen axel goes running to investigate just then john bursts through the rec room door and falls to the ground he keeps crying that she's dead and he killed her axel comes running out and says dave is dead in the kitchen Dave's uncredited girlfriend screams and Axel yells that it's Harry Warden. He's here. He starts yelling at everyone to leave and get the hell out of here. As everyone is panicking and running around, TJ tries to call the police, but the phone is dead. TJ goes to Tommy and tells, tells 
him to take John and go straight to the police and tell them to get here fast. TJ grabs Axel and tells him that Sarah is in the mine with the others and they have to go get them. Axel says that's probably where the crazy guy is. No, he's standing right there. TJ says he's going to save them and grabs Axel to come with him. The two of them put on their outfits and rush to the mine. Axel says if anything happens to them, he's blaming TJ. He should have never let them go down. TJ says they'll worry about that later. He'll check the abandoned section and tells Axel to check the level above. They shake hands and say good luck before climbing into the elevator together and descending into the mine. And then this is good luck, men. Good good luck, men. (laughs) Good one. But sadly, I mean, this is the last time that they're they're friends. You know what I mean? Or true, you know, because after this, they'll they'll be mortal foes. They'll be lovers. (laughs) How can we be lovers when we can't be friends? Michael Bolton. (laughs) I don't. I don't hate it. I champion his entire catalog. <laughs> Down in the mine. I am a Michael Bolton fan. <laughs> Again, don't hate it. <laughs> Me neither. Down in the mine, Sarah and Patty are nervously waiting. Just then, Hollis pops out and says, boo, and scares them. They ask where he was, and, and he thought they were right behind him. And they said he ditched them on purpose, but he laughs it off, and, and they follow him. We see TJ get off the elevator. Now we see Hollis is telling the girls that the part of the mine they're in is the oldest. These tunnels were built in the early 1800s, but it's abandoned now. They haven't worked in this that tunnel in years, not since Harry Warden. Right when he says it, just then, Howard pops out from the ceiling upside down and scares Hollis and the girls. Hollis grabs him and says, easy, I, and, and Howard says, easy, I got a hangover. Get it? Because he's hanging upside down. Yeah. The, curl, the girls call him a goof, and Hollis helps him down from the rafters area. It's it's not really rafters. It's like it's almost like a hole in the ceiling where they are goes to the level above them. After they get Howard down from his hiding spot, we see from the killer's point of view that he was up there too. Cut to Mike and Harriet making out in the dark room. See our conversation two minutes ago. Cut back to Hall. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey splinters. Woo. Oh, splinters, eh? <laughs> Babies, eh? <laughs> Problem solved, eh? <laughs> Cut back. Don't worry, babe. We're going to get killed. What do you mean we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> Problem solved, babe. Cut back to Hollis and Howard walking with Sarah and Patty. The girls ask why the walls are white. Hollis says it's lime powder to contain explosions, and so the wood doesn't crack. It's funny, I didn't have to track that dialogue, but I found that to be fascinating, so I wanted to impart that knowledge upon our listeners. Patty stops them and asks, how come Mike and Harry haven't come back? Just then they hear light bulbs break behind them. This is actually pretty eerie. We see it's the yeah, killer this is sm- creepy. We see it's the killer smashing the lights in the corner behind them. They don't like it's like goes around a corner, so you don't they don't see them, but we do. Um, and then you cut back to them, and they can still hear the them you know breaking off in the distance. Howard says he hears something, and Hollis says it's probably rats. They decide to keep moving forward and get the hell out of there. And you're right that that is freaky, dude. It's creepy just the way he's doing it, and uh, yeah, it's. All the stuff in the mine is creepy as hell. Yeah, I can see why as a kid it fucked, it freaked you out, man. It fucked you up. 
yeah, sincere. You know, I goof around. I goof around a lot about like all the shit from my childhood, but this this one is definitely was one that stood out to me as being like really terrifying. Nice, good, good pick, Crystal. Glad you get to. <laughs> glad we're digging up Zach's trauma again. <laughs> Cut to Chief Newbie in his truck at the police station, and a car comes tearing into the parking lot. It's John, Tommy, and Gretchen. The chief starts yelling at them, but Tommy says that he has to go to the mine. They're having a party, and Harry Warden started killing everyone. Chief Newbie grabs him and says, Harry Warden? Tommy says there are kids trapped in the mine, and then Axel and TJ are trying to get them out. Gretchen yells, He killed Sylvia and Dave! Chief, the chief tells them to go home and stay put. Then he gets in his truck and peels out with the sirens on. While the chief is driving to the mine, he radios the station to notify the mayor and to get as many people to the mine as they can. Back down in the mine, Howard and Hollis are trying to lead Sarah and Patty back to the main shaft. They yell for Mike and Harriet but get no response. They round a corner and are scared by TJ. He says they gotta get out of here. Harry Warden is back, and he already killed Sylvia and Dave. They don't believe him, so TJ tells him to shut up for a second. <laughs> They're dead, <laughs> and he's down here somewhere. Shut up for a second. <laughs> we are shut up for a second. <laughs> They're one second. Okay, I can start talking now. Oh, it's a figure of speech. God damn it. Hey. Hey. They're dead, and he's down here somewhere. If you want to get out of here alive, you do exactly as I tell you. Sarah says uh, this better not be his idea of a joke. Uh, he says in a, in a very Canadian accent, he goes, do I look like I'm joking? Come on, let's go. Howard says, <laughs> says what about Mike and Harriet? Hollis uh, says the last time he saw them, they were in the engine room. TJ tells Hollis to check the main shaft, <laughs> main shaft and he'll take the tu in Tunnel 6 and meet them there. TJ tells Howard to stay with the girls and wait for Axel. The girls and Howard protest, but Hollis kind of goes running and yelling for Mike while TJ goes the other way. At the time, it wasn't cliche, but it's cliche now. Like, everybody splits up. Everybody goes in different directions. And a bunch of people get killed. No, but you, you bring up a good point. At the time, it was not cliche. So when you watch it, if you watch it with, you know, 2022 eyes, yes, some of the things are maybe problematic or whatever. We called them out. But also keep in mind that this is one of the, the movies that started the slasher genre, or should I say, like, solidified the tropes of the slasher genre. Hey. <laughs> Hollis go, goes into the old engine room and finds the bodies of Mike and Harriet. They're both impaled on a giant screw. This is the, the death we did not see. Harriet. Harriet. Harbinger of Haggis. What's that from? So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, shit. I haven't seen that in forever. All I remember is Hid Pants New. No. Hid Pants No. Look at him. He's going to cry himself tonight <laughs> in his wee pillar. <laughs> his wee pillar. Hid I love down. that fucking movie. Oh, God. I love that movie so much. I love that movie so much. Oh, you know what? I, I haven't seen it in forever, but if you like it, I respect your opinion and I will rewatch it ASAP. Oh. You should, you should, man. That is a fun movie with a terrific soundtrack too. Okay. By the way. Okay. That was S A T R D A Y. 
Night. What was that like? Ninety five or ninety six? Seven? No, I think it's ninety three. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, it was yeah early high school for me or, then, or okay. ninety four maybe. Okay, oh, so good. Okay, all right, that's that's my uh, viewing uh, homework is to go rewatch uh, yep. So I Married an Axe Murderer. Go watch Axe-Murder. watch uh, Sorry Married an Axe Murderer. Yeah. Oh, so good, so much fun. <laughs> Back to killing. Back to back to <laughs> killing. Uh, so upon seeing them, Hollis gasps and slowly starts backing out of the room and looking around. We see the killer load a nail gun and kind of click it into place. That click causes Hollis to spin around and drop his hard hat. He picks it up and turns around right into the killer. The killer's headlamp sort of blinds Hollis for a second. Then the killer puts the nail gun to Hollis's left temple and shoots him. This is so fucking gut-wrenching. This is my favorite kill because it's like the most dramatic. Oh, it is, dude. It really is. One of the most dramatic. So, and, and what I hate is Hollis is standing there dazed. Like the, the fucking nail is in his temple all the way to the hilt. You know what I mean? And and, yeah. and to me, this... So I have a weird thing that freaks me out ever since um, I saw the movie uh, Hamburger Hill. Remember, spoiler alert, at the end where I think Tim Daly comes, like, walking out of the of the rubble, the battle, you know, and the fucking top of his head is smoking because the top of his head was fucking blown off. And just all the things like that, Hannibal, like, anything that happens to your brain and you're still alive fucking freaks me the Session fuck nine. out, dude. Session 9. Session 9. All of that shit, bro, freaks me the fuck out. Yes. Yeah. And so does this. So I hate it because Hollis is kind of dazed and he's like just standing there and his fucking eyes are rolling as this fucking nail is just in his temple, like to the hilt of the nail, to the head of it, you know, the flat end. Um, And then the killer just slowly loads another nail and fucking shoots him square in the forehead with it. And and even more insult to injury that doesn't kill him either and hollis just kind of fucking stumbles out dragging his helmet with him this literally makes me fucking nauseous and then he says what are you doing here yeah right and with the pickaxe fucking and then and then axel says did you score on a scratch (laughs) (laughs) sorry do it do it, Gordon. Do it, do Gordon. it, Axel. Do it, Axel. You know what? <laughs> this could be. This could be Harry. This could be another session nine thing. Harry or Axel could have Harry Warden in his ear saying, "Do it, Axel." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. In the shaft, Howard is waiting with Sarah and Patty. They hear some noise behind them, and all of a sudden, Hollis reaches out and scares them. Then he falls over dead in front of Patty. They look up when they hear someone walking down the shaft and see it's the killer holding a pickaxe coming towards them. They all scream and Howard gets to his feet and starts running. Sarah yells for him to come back, but he just (laughs) tells them to run. We see the killer go sort of in the direction Howard went. Uh, Sarah goes back to Patty, who's crying over Hollis's body. Sarah pushes him over and grabs his light, and Patty yells to leave him alone. Sarah tries to get Patty to her feet, but she just screams no. Sarah slaps Patty back to her senses and picks her up. Just then, Axel arrives, scaring them. Sarah tells him that Harry Warden is down there, and Axel starts leading them down the shaft from Hollis's body, away from Hollis's body. He asks where TJ is, and Sarah says he went looking for Mike and Harriet. Do you think when he chased 
Howard down? Is this when he basically hung him right now? Yeah, yeah. I think so. And then doubled back around quickly. Yeah, great hanging too. Oh, I can't, yeah, that's a good one. I can't wait for that one. As they are slowly walking down the tunnel, Patty is crying about leaving Hollis behind. She wants to go back for him. Sarah tells her to stop crying, and Axel says to keep going towards the elevator. The three of them get to a corner in the tunnel, and Axel stops them. He hears someone coming from the other way towards them. He picks up a piece of wood off the ground, swings it, and hits TJ square in the stomach, sending him to the ground. Sarah rushes to TJ's side. Axel says he thought TJ was hairy. TJ says, do I look like Harry? Then TJ asks where Howard is, but Axel says he ran off, that jerk. Axel tells TJ that Hollis is dead and they need to get Sarah and Patty topside to get some help and come back for the others. Up top, Chief Newbie arrives on the scene by himself. He gets out of the truck and draws his pistol and looks around. He runs to the elevator shaft and tries bringing up the elevator, but it's not working. We'll find out soon why. By the way, up to this point, I think there's like nine kills, I think, now. Okay. So at the end, I I think it tallies, like, I think it's like 12 at the end. Is that And that includes the miners at the beginning, right? No, it oh, does okay. not. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so, the body count is, is, really, is, is really decent really in this film. Yeah. In the mine, TJ is leading Patty and Sarah up the main shaft with Axel bringing up the rear. They eventually get to the elevators, but find the controls are smashed, which is why it wouldn't work for newbie. TJ says the controls are smashed and there's no way out. That was just me bad writing right there. <laughs> uh, Sarah asks what they're going to do, and Axel says climb. Patty says no, but Sarah makes her climb anyways. It's a long way up. They keep climbing, and Patty is terrified. She asks if they can stop and go another way, but Sarah tells her to keep going. Just then, Patty slips and almost falls. She clings onto the ladder and says she isn't going any further. She's stopping right there. Axel tells Sarah to give her a hand. Sarah climbs up behind Patty, and they go up the ladder together a few rungs, when all of a sudden, Axel slips on the ladder and reaches for a rope, causing the body of Howard to fall next to them, and kind of like perfectly next to them, like where they are, you know? So. Yeah. He has, so he has a noose around his neck. Howard's body, when it hits next to them, it jerks with such force that it rips his head off and the body falls down the elevator shaft. Patty screams. TJ tells them to climb back down, thinking the killer's above them. Now, how good was that fucking head rip? That's one of the best. One of the best. One of the best. And I like that. I've always... You know, you hear about that occasionally. I don't listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, but I do listen to the last podcast on the left, and they talk about some true crime stuff. And they have talked about in the past, like, you know, people, this will happen, like, back in the Wild West days or something when you yeah. hang somebody. You don't, you might not account for their body weight or something, and it's happened where the body's just ripped off from the head. And I'm like, Oof. wow. And, and here, it's amazing. And then you see the body fall down, and then you see the body hit the bottom. Like, it's really fucking awesome. Yeah, and then the severed head. Yeah, hanging on the noose. Now, I another question for you. Howard was already dead when that happened, right? I think so. Okay. And third question, did Axel pretend to slip and fall to pull the rope? Yes. Okay. That's what I think too. So they climb back down the ladder. Down below Axel, TJ and the girls walk over Howard's dead body. 
Axel says, now he's on top of us. That bastard's really playing games with us. TJ says, we can beat him if we get to the rail cars. Axel says he knows a shortcut through the, uh, the sump. He leads them to it. All right. So here's what I can sort of figure out. The sump room seems to be a room with a water pit of 60 plus feet and a wooden plank walking over it. Axel tells TJ to make to take the girls through the room and to yell when they are through. TJ agrees and the girls walk through through the knee-deep water because there's like another room. It's hard to explain. Um, and then TJ yells that they are through and for a- Axel to follow. We hear a groan and a splash and TJ goes back in to investigate and all we see is a broken railing and bubbles coming up from the, the water that's like super deep. Um, they think Axel drowned, so TJ tells them to, to move it. They, they have to go through the sump room into another uh, uh, tunnel. But we do know, we at this point, I mean, not at this point, but we do know it's a ruse. After you watch the movie, you know it's a ruse. Yeah, I'm wondering, like, what he used to kind of cr- make the bubbles or whatever. But, um, but just for my own benefit... I was and and yours as well. I'm like, what the hell is a sump room, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz you had asked that earlier. Yeah. Uh it and it's usually it's it's an area that pumps out well a sump pump is installed in a basement or crawl space to to keep the area from from flooding. Okay. So this sump room keep- must be a room kind of where the water probably travels into right. to keep it from flooding out okay that makes a lot of sense that you would need a specific room to the side to kind of push all the water there from the mine and everything okay and and yeah and it's deep so if you fall into it and you can't swim i mean it's deep so you're gonna go right to the bottom probably with all that gear on and everything too yeah creepy and it's all like muddy like clay water and everything you know yeah mino like any of this but i like it Snuggle, go back in your dryer. You you can't clean Why? any of this. <laughs> I want to go in the sump room. You do? Yeah. Oh, you th- okay. You thought they meant simp room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you go back in your bloody dryer. Okay, you go, fine. You go back in your fucking bloody dryer and go back to the eighties. <laughs> any fun? <laughs> All I got was a bloody dryer, and you got a sump room. <laughs> what? Please continue. This is so weird. <laughs> TJ tells Sarah and Patty to hug the left side of the wall and keep going. TJ goes and investigates down another hallway. They hear the tunnel crumble and go back to see if he's okay, but there's no word or sight of TJ. They decide to go back to the route that TJ told them to follow. Sarah and Patty get to a different part of the mine and are startled by some dust falling. They walk a little bit further when all of a sudden the killer pops out from around the corner and sinks his pickaxe into Patty's stomach. She falls over moaning and staring at the mask of of her killer. Dude, like, you know what? And it's not a super gory kill, but honestly, it's, it's, I mean, it's brutal, dude, right in the gut. And she's alive for a little bit, too. Yeah, she is. The killer looks at Sarah and she runs off. Up top, more cops and an ambulance are arriving on the scene. 
Below, Sarah is leaning against a wall and crying when a hand reaches out and grabs her. It's TJ. He has some blood running down the side of his head. He hugs Sarah and she cries and they start walking through the mine. They keep looking back as they do. Up top, Newbie is telling everyone the elevator isn't working. They're going to have to go through the main shaft. Below, Sarah and TJ get to the rail cars, but the killer pops up behind them. TJ gets the cars working and they jump in and starts going to the surface. The killer jumps in after them. At the same time, the mayor and the chief and the cops are coming down the shaft. In the rail cars, the killer catches up to TJ and swings his pickaxe, but TJ blocks it with a shovel, like your patch earlier. Yep. They fight, and TJ loses his shovel, then gets knocked off the rail car. The killer jumps off after him, and so does Sarah. Sarah kind of fucking hits the wall, too, when she jumps. Did you notice that? Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) Like, she fucking face plants it. The killer and TJ fight some more, and then Sarah gives TJ his shovel back so he can defend himself. The killer swipes at them, and TJ blocks it. We see the same rail car they were just on go past the chief and his men. The chief touches some blood on it and sort of looks at his hand. Down the shaft, the killer and TJ are fighting with their pickaxe and shovel. The killer is backing them further down into the mine. TJ and Sarah come to an entrance that's been blocked off, and TJ tells her to go in. It's kind of like blocked off with just a few two-by-fours, you know, and she kind of goes under it, and he follows her under the one the main two-by-fours. They sort of both duck under it. But then the killer just uses his pickaxe to break the the two-by-four the two by four to go through. Yeah, it's like an off-limit shaft area. Yeah, it's like says do not enter or something. TJ and the killer continue their battle in the abandoned part of the mine. The killer hits the wall when he swings at TJ and misses, causing the wall to crumble. The killer swings again and this time hits a support beam, knocking it over. Sarah watches as the two men fight. Another missed swing and another part of the wall comes down. Just then, Sarah picks up a huge rock and hits the killer in the back with it. He swings at her and misses. He swings again and TJ is knocked to the ground, but but the killer lodges his pickaxe in the wall. The killer pulls out his knife and kneels over TJ, but Sarah grabs his mask and pulls it off. The killer is Axel. Dun, dun, dun. I knew it. Do you think you would have figured it out if, like, you hadn't seen this movie before? No way. No. I think it's good. Yeah. And it's nice. It's nice that it's a reveal, like a surprise reveal. And it, ma- and it makes sense. It makes because sense. Because we'll also, yeah, we'll find out in a second why yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Yup. TJ looks at him and says, Why? We then see a why? Why, eh? <laughs> why? We then see a flashback to one of the two supervisors that Harry killed 20 years ago. And it, and it's the only one that they sort of showed in the the flashback that Hap told at the beginning of the movie. It's the same same scene now, but we're seeing it from a different point of view. And that person that was killed was Axel's dad. He was under the bed and saw the whole thing happen. And I mean, he was like, he's like, like five or six years old. And he's like in this like fetal oh, yeah. position. I think he's younger yeah. than that. And he looks like he's three. And, and yeah, and he, he watches this all from the fetal position under the bed. Yep. As Axel is staring at them, TJ hits him with a rock and sends him back. 
Axel hits a support beam, and the room comes down on top of on top of him as TJ and Sarah make it back into the main shaft, just as Chief Newbie and his men arrive. TJ says he's in there. The mayor asks if they're all right. TJ says it isn't Harry. Newbie says he knows. He got a call from the hospital tonight. They said that Harry Warden died five years ago. And I like that you only find that out at the end after you know they're revealed. The, tight, the writing yeah, in this is very that. tight. Yeah. The mayor asks, then who the hell is it? TJ says it's Axel. Chief Newbie tells TJ and Sarah to get to the surface. The mayor says to Newbie, it was on Valentine's Day that Harry Warden killed Axel's father. They both join the men to clear out the rubble from the collapsed room that Axel was in. As they're moving the rocks, a hand reaches out and a man yells, He's alive! TJ and Sarah look back in horror. Sarah runs back down into the mine and says that she has to see him. She runs past everyone and sees Axel's hand sticking out. She asks why. Then the hand grabs her hand and she screams. So, so it's grabbing her on this side of the rubble. She's screaming. We see from the other side of the rubble that Axel is actually cutting off his own arm. Like in the movie, what is it, 127 hours or, or something, you know, about yeah. Yeah, the hiker yeah. guy. that Yeah, better performance than James Franco, that's for damn sure. Right? <laughs> right? I'd say so. Uh, so he's happy. Sorry, James Franco. <laughs> yeah, no, if sorry. you're listening. Uh, but he, he's actually cutting off his own arm. Uh, everyone grabs Sarah and pulls her back away from the rubble, uh, pulling the severed arm with her. She sees Oof. it and gasps. We hear Axel yell from the other side of the collapse, Hanniger, I'll be waiting in hell for you. Then he says, Harry, Harry, I'm coming. This whole fucking town is going to die. We're coming back, you bastards. And then he kind of stumbles off into the darkness and says, Sarah, be my bloody valentine. Then he sings, Daddy's gone away. Harry Warden made you pay. And it fades to black and a maniacal laughter. And then the ballad of Harry Warden starts playing over the credits. And that is the excellent My Bloody Valentine. So creepy. That ending, that ending is so haunting. It's so haunting. Great ending. Yeah. Great ending yeah. to a movie, to a horror film. Yeah. Great. Cause he, so good. You don't know if he's going to come back. It leaves such a great opening for a sequel or it just leaves a great. And they didn't. I know. I know. And I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they didn't make a sequel. Yeah. They me, went the Carpenter route. Me too. Me too. Because I think it just now, now the, the, the folklore, the legend will just live on and everything. And yeah, dude, yeah. Th- this movie is so much fucking fun. Um, I'm glad that I watched it, you know, in its entirety, fully, re- well, almost fully restored. According to the director, it's about 80% of, of what he, you know, originally intended, um, you know, but I'm so happy that we watched the unrated version, the uncut version, and not the rated version because the kills in this movie are awesome, and I'm glad we get to see them, dude, so much. And again, thank you, Crystal, for this. This is such a fun movie. I absolutely enjoyed every bit of My Bloody Valentine from beginning to end. Yeah, uh, Crystal, you hit a home run and uh, just want to reiterate from the, the top of the episode, if you are interested and open to signing up to our highest tier uh, for, on Patreon, 
you can be the one to choose the movie we'll break down. So Crystal chose this one and God damn girl, you did a good you did good. You did a good and you did a good. No, I, I love it. I loved it uh more now because I was less traumatized. Yeah. Uh so good. Overall, I love seeing you know, semi unknown actors in a movie and it makes it more believable uh on certain levels. And the the music score is good, great. The 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 way it's shot is awesome. Uh, yeah, great movie. I give it two uh, two, two sn- ripped out hearts. Two snuggles. Two 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 bloody two, two bloody two snuggles. snuggles. <laughs> yeah, the no, snuggles. snuggles. <laughs> Jesus, is there a lock on that thing? No. Well, I, there should be. I'm putting a. I'll give it two snuggles. There you yeah, go. Two snuggles. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with you, buddy. Two bloody snuggles. This one's awesome. This one uh, deserves its its rightful place as a cult classic. Uh, and everyone, if you haven't seen it by now, well, you know the whole story, but you should still go out and see it because it's it's a bloody good time. And you know what else is a bloody good time? Two dollar late fee. What you got Ooh. going on in February, buddy? <laughs> February is going to be uh, kind of like a nice roll into martial art madness. We're martial doing, uh, we're covering American Flyers from 1985. Okay. It's a great cycling movie starring Kevin Costner. Um, drama, but like, man, a killer soundtrack. Really, really great movie. Dare I say a very underrated uh, sport drama from the 80s. And we've got an interview with one of its stars uh, two weeks after. This guy named Luca Bercovici. And Podcasting After Dark fans will know him as the director of Ghoulies mm. and Rockula. Mm. Uh, but he's been in a ton. And he was also in um, Parasite oh, with Demi Moore. Yeah. He was, he's been in a bunch of movies. Actually, by the time this episode drops... Um, keep an eye out on the $2 late fee Instagram page because we're going to do like a little birthday shout out for him okay. uh, following week. And, uh, you'll see some of the stuff he's been a part of anyways. Yeah. A lot of fun stuff on $2 late fee. If you haven't checked out the Barry Bostwick interview, it's gold. It's great. <laughs> it's everything you'd want it to be in Barry Bostwick land. It's also on our YouTube page too, the $2 late fee YouTube page. So check that out. Uh, anyways, yeah, that's what's going on in $2 land. But what's going on in Cartwright Cart- land? Cartwright, the Seinfeld podcast. We are barreling through season eight right now. And we're having a blast. We're enjoying it. So if you like Seinfeld, I, ch- I highly suggest checking out Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We're having a blast, Adam and I. Uh, our pal Adam. Uh, Zach knows him too, obviously. And uh, we are also tackling Curb Your Enthusiasm on the Cartwright Patreon. Not unlike how Zach and I are tackling uh, all of John Carpenter's films on the Podcasting After Dark Patreon page uh, under the Autour de Force tier that was uh, aptly named by Zach. Uh, it was, I think it was in our From Beyond episode, or it was, it was on air. You named it on air, and that's stuck i did and Corey was like that's it i was like that's it that's it that's it (laughs) and so our our uh interviews after dark tier turned into our our into our auteur de force tier try saying that one five times fast and uh what our goal is 
is to look at a director's, an auteur's uh, filmography from beginning to end. And we are kicking it off by going through all of John Carpenter's films. And we planned it out, and it will take exactly two years. We will end it in December 2023 with a wrap-up show. But we will be covering everything that he he's directed and that includes uh the two tv movies and the two episodes of uh the horror whatever that i forgot what it's called off the top of my head masters masters there you go masters of horror so we're gonna cover everything we started with dark star and ghost of mars yep means we're gonna have to cover ghost of mars unfortunately means we're gonna have to cover vampires unfortunately although i have a fun story for that one a personal story for that one um but it does mean we are also going to revisit the thing um and prince of darkness on the months that we need to rewatch them so we're going to revisit those uh but we did start with dark star a movie that i had never seen and i think zach had only seen once and i believe i think it's safe to say we were both pleasantly surprised by how much we enjoyed the film yeah you'll just have to listen to the episode to find out our true thoughts on it mm-hmm. um the next one we're covering and, and we're going in chronological yeah. order will be assault on precinct 13 uh, personal favorite of mine as well. So this is going to be fun. Uh, like it, this, this series is fun and we dig deep into kind of, you know, our analysis yeah. of John Carpenter. It's, it, it's our take, you know, you guys know us by now, you yeah. know, we have our own kind of way of discussing things on the show. So it's our take on what, what makes Carpenter tick. Exactly. What is the Carpenter Factor is what we're hoping to figure out by the end of it. So we hope you all enjoy that show. Thank you so much for everyone who signed up for that tier. Uh, If you're like Aaron and Crystal, sign up for the highest tier. You get access to everything. Um, But we also have our... Everything, baby. (laughs) Everything, baby. We also have our monthly uh, wrap-up after Dark show. And we are also still actively pursuing uh, interviews. And when we we do do a new interview, we will put them on the Patreon uh, feed first before anybody else gets it. So, yeah, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. If you like what we do... It's the best way to support us and and help the show grow. And, you know, we have bills like everybody else, server costs and stuff like that and everything. So, you know, it's 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 not uh, free to just keep this the show on the air. But we do appreciate everyone that helps us keep the lights on in the studio. And we love you all. And as always, we'll catch you on the snuggle side. <laughs> Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Hey everyone, co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, Podcasting After Dark would not be possible. 
If you would like to help the show grow, please consider signing up at patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us.